Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. So tonight's meetup is about playing the game of relationships. So I've got my game of Game of Thrones mug ready. Um, so first thing I think we could discuss or in the breakout rooms, if you discuss when, like, so I'm going to talk about relationships being a game, life being a game tonight. Um, and what's your reaction? What's your feeling about that? And what's your view? Because often, often there's uh, misunderstanding, well, often there's people have a, a reaction to sometimes that being called a, a game. Okay, so we're going to split into breakout rooms. Is everyone clear? Sorry, I, I didn't hear you. you. You said to go to the breaking room? Oh, yes, a breakout room. Um, let me see if I can add you to the breakout room. Uh, did you get a link to click? Yeah, but I left it. But what, what to do in this breaking room? Okay, so the breakout room is for more private conversations. So you're going to discuss the topic in smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then... Uh, this is my and then we'll come back here. and we'll all... Yeah, okay. And then we're going to come back into the main room where we'll, uh, we'll all discuss, we'll discuss anything anyone wants to talk about um, that came across in the breakout rooms and then we'll have a, a more general discussion. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Okay, can you send me again, sorry? Hi, Marie. Join Hi guys. Yeah, okay. Hi Robbie, I, I was just actually replying to your message. Um, yeah, but you managed sorry, to get on. <laughs> I found I found the, it was in the, the no uh, meetup <laughs> calendar thing. Oh, so, okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> sometimes people people don't. It's kind of buried in there. Um, okay, so what we're did tonight, as you saw, was um, playing the game of relationships. So um, how it works is we have uh, like while people are joining, there's others who who go into a breakout group breakout rooms. So there's smaller groups where you can have private discussion. Um, so I'll, I'll send you a link to to join one of those groups. And then we're going to come back here and have a, a bigger general discussion. Okay. So what they're discussing in the groups is the question is, um, in terms of, I'm talking about tonight, um, relationships being a game, life being a game. Um, what's your reaction to that? Do you agree with it, disagree with it? How do you feel about that? Um, and so, is that clear enough? Yeah, makes perfect sense, yeah. Okay. All right, so I'm going to add you to your breakout room two. So if you just, um, you should get a link. Oh, come on. Sorry, Rob, I... I jumped off a bit quickly there. I think you were halfway through explaining something. Shall I join oh, okay. back in a second? Um, yeah. No, no. If you just join the just join the group and um, yeah, yeah, then you'll um, 
yeah, they'll probably be in mid discussion, but if you just join and then when there's a Ooh. chance, just join in. Yeah, that's fine. No worries. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Can you get Thanks, back yeah. to it? Uh, yeah, I'll join back. You can, yeah. Thanks. Okay. Everyone's still in their discussions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think that's really good. You know what? I think I love the game of life and how to play it well. Um, I listened to a podcast called The Reality Revolution. Brian Scott. And I don't know it, but... He's actually amazing. He's ama it's amazing. It's a really good podcast. Okay, I think that's everyone back. Okay, so um, did anyone have any interesting discussions, any interesting thoughts to share? This is Sheila. Um, I think, hi, Sheila. Hi. I think most of us, if not all of us, agreed that to use the term game doesn't sit well with us in terms of relationship. Personally speaking, I can see the concept of a game and I can see there are similarities in terms of rules, um, players in, in quote marks, because again, the word players doesn't sit right with me in terms of relationship. But I guess, you know, again, concept of being winners and losers, but again, that's the, whether you're playing as a team, as a couple together, or playing as individuals, therefore being a winner and a loser. But I think also, I believe that, you know, you don't necessarily know all the rules going in. If you're in a relationship, you, you have to so like find out the rules as you go along and everybody has different rules. Thank you for that. I, yeah, yes. I'll just say something, it's Eunice. I, I, I'm beginning to feel more like that, you know, uh, it's more the dating stage that's that's like a game because you don't know at that stage what you're getting yourself into. But once you are in a committed relationship, I think it's more of a, of a team thing rather than, you know, two people competing, you know, against um, each other. Okay. Um, yes. Um, anyone else? Is that the general feeling? I've in our group as well, we sort of um, put forward a slightly different angle to it and, and by saying if there was any positives in the so if, if there were any positives to come out of a game situation, um, then you could say that you're entering into a win-win game rather than a win-lose game. And by default, there'll be rules. Um, and those rules could be Authenticity, openness, communication, trust, um, the basic <laughs> fundamental things for a relationship. And if, as long as everybody's aware of them, um, then you could both be winners of that game. Um, and I guess if one person is not fulfilling their part of the bargain on that, um, then, you know, the, the, the game might not be successful, I guess. Um, I muted you, Sarah, but I'm not, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk or sorry you're muted i was gonna say i do agree with it being a game 
but not in the sense of like you're playing and you're being conniving. I do think life is a game and you've got to play your cards right. And in a relationship, you, you need to go into it knowing who you are and what you want out of that. And you need to set your standards, your values, and the person needs to know what is expected of them going in from the start. So I think that, yeah, I do agree with it being a game. Okay. All right, thank you. Um, all right, so I'm going to, the, the reason I set this um, as a thing, it's, it's similar to, um, we were talking, uh, and I was talking with and I can't, Pete, um, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago about, do you remember we were discussing about love as a currency? And you had a strong reaction to that. Um, and there's a subtlety to, to both of these ideas that really underpin a lot of the problems that people have in relationships. So, um, for example, when I was talking about love being a currency, it wasn't because I was demeaning it. It was actually because I'm, what I'm saying is of all the currencies, it's the one that we, we value the least in terms of giving our attention, our effort um, to it. So, okay, so I want to... Um, put some more detail to, to the concept of life and relationships being a game. And the best way um, I know how to do that is from, there was a book from James Cass, and he talked about finite and infinite games. And so a finite game is a game that we're used to. I'm just going to mute everyone um, so that there's no background reaction, but unmute yourself if, if you have something to say um so okay so there are finite and infinite games so a finite game is what we're familiar with in terms of um it has agreed laws it, it's a game like football it's a game like um tennis or any of those kind of games that we're used to it it's got agreed and this is what some of you picked up on is that it's got um, agreed upon rules, but they're imposed rules. So there is, it, and by definition, there's a limitation and there's a winner and a loser. So um, if we look at, so in America, they've got the elections going on um, and election is a finite game. There can only be a winner and there can only be a loser. Um, and there's a time when it's over. Um, and so in, in finite games that we, we have like titles, like if whatever role you have, if you, if you play the game of law and you qualify as a lawyer, you're a lawyer and that doesn't change. And so, um, and so there's winners and losers and the, and the fight to win is for status, it's for control. So the infinite game is a game that doesn't end. So it's a game without boundaries. It's a game that we define by ourselves. And it's a game that deepens over time. So if you have someone who's an artist who loves art, then art is, is an infinite game because you can always get better 
there's people who might win this prize or whatever, you know, um, can't even think of an art prize, but you know, like people win the Pulitzer prize for writing, but it doesn't mean that they're forever, they forever won the game. It means at that moment in time, they were at the top, but it's going to change. And, you know, um, music is a game, is an infinite game. We, we have the charts and someone's at the top, but no one's at the top always. And so it isn't so much about winners and losers, but it's how can I play the game and get better? So dating is often spoken about as being a, as being a game because it's the dating game. <clears throat> and if you look at the way that people treat the dating game, it is players. It's people who feel that they're won by if they can sleep with a girl, if they can get the most attention, if they can um, do all of those things, they're playing a finite game. And, and yeah, of course, and, and there are relationships where someone will want to be in control and they will see themselves as winning by getting their way. But they're playing it with a finite game. And if you look at a lot of the relationship advice, it's techniques, it's send this text, it's say this, it's do this thing so that you get a certain result. And that's playing a finite game. Whereas an infinite game is about deepening the connection, deepening the conversation. It's about, it's not about, winning or dominating but it's about developing the connection it's about exploring rather than than winning it's about dealing with what's now rather than like you win and therefore you're always a winner so one of the problems is that in in work in business and things people play an a play a finite game so someone who sees like someone who sees business as as a finite game is how much money can you win um and so they're driven to beat the, like destroy the competition but actually no one ever wins you know when you look at the, there's charts of like jeff bezos is the richest man bill gates was for a long time but no one's ever won because it's never over there's no there's no finish point and so a lot of the problems that people have um are someone feels like their dad wasn't proud of them they felt like they were a loser at school they they have this insecurity and so they they have this drive to prove themselves they have they feel like they need to have more and more success to get away from the feeling in the past but the label comes from the past. And so the feeling is from the past. Um, and, and no amount of success that you have now is ever going to change that feeling that you had back then. So when people play a finite game, like rejection in, in dating or in relationships is all consuming. And so one of the reasons people are so devastated at a breakup is because it feels because they've got a finite game attitude to it. Like this person's gone, therefore I've lost. I'm never going to have that back. And if you treat it 
So when I'm saying about playing the game of relationships, what I'm talking about is that if you ever want to love and be loved, then you're playing the game of relationships. It's whether you know it or you're not, or, or not, but you're actually, you're in the game. It's an infinite game. It's not like there's winners or losers, but there's different places. Um, and so relationships are an infinite game. So there's never an end to it. And it doesn't matter what stage you are because there's this whole, I'm going to show you later about the landscape of relationships, but wherever you are is a place in the game of relationships. And it's about, if you don't like where you are, it's about moving to a different place. So the idea of playing the game of relationships is that you're conscious of how you're doing it. Because when you're conscious of how you're doing it, then that means that being in that relationship, it means you're not playing like passive aggressive, you're not playing victim and, and um, controller, you're not playing the power games that people play, the drama games that people play. Um, but you're, you're like bringing it to awareness. And so that it's, it's about doing relationships more consciously. Um, Bal Ali, if I've got your name right, you, you got your hand up. Did you want to talk? Yep. So you were talking about, uh, like proving someone wrong. So when something happens, like when someone says that I cannot do something, so our tendency is to like prove someone wrong. So if you tell me like, I cannot like, uh, do some kind of art, I cannot win a particular game, then it's, it's, it's very common for us to prove someone wrong. So it's, it's been in our genes. So how would you actually like differentiate it? How do you recognize when you are playing like a uh, finite game and infinite game? Okay. So if you're driven by an insecurity, which is to prove someone wrong, um, to accept the label that you're a loser or you've lost or you're a failure means that you've said that the game is over. Because if, if the game is still playing, then you kind of lost. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, it's when we put it into a false context. It's when we haven't really um, looked at or been conscious that of what we're doing or how we're playing it. And so we've put ourselves in a box of, I failed once and therefore I'm a failure. Does that make sense? Could you, could you repeat the second, please? Um, I couldn't grasp it fully. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Um, if you feel that you're a failure, then you've put yourself as in that you're playing a finite game. Uh -huh. Yet the nature of relationships means that it's an infinite game because for there to be a winner or a loser means, I, 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 but you weren't talking about relationships. You were talking about, um, yeah. So in whatever context, so the game of life, you can't ever be a failure in life because you're only in a certain place because it's not over until it's over. 
Is, is that clear or is that yeah, still? Yeah, yeah, that's clear now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rob, I've got a question as well, but I don't know how to raise my hand on, on my voice. Yeah, that's so, fine, uh, just jump in. <laughs> um, so, uh, if, every, if, if everyone was aware of the rules <clears throat> of the game and was conscious about making sure that they were going to play by the rules, can everybody enter into the infinite game, regardless of their past, i.e. their upbringing, and their expectations about the future? Okay. Um, so the infinite game is, is one that you play on your own. It's, it's it, because the, a finite game is, is where we agree on the rules, this is it. These are the limitations. Um, this is how we play it. Um, an infinite game is about, is, is an attitude to life. It's, I'm doing this. This is something that's important to me. I, this is a game I want to play. I'm going to define how I play the game. So, um, so in terms of relationships, what that means is every couple is unique. So every couple can set the um, rules, the boundaries, the the playing field, how they mm. want it to be. So um, it's the difference between playing um, uh, between playing like snakes and ladders or mm. playing um, like music or um, as a, as a uh, do you know what I mean? If you're a musician, yeah, yeah, definitely. Did, yeah, does that make sense? Or did, have, does, I not, does, have I missed some of your questions? I, I guess it's, it's, it's so. If I understand you correctly, it's like reframing how you're approaching it, and it's not by um, trying to uh, win at something. It's about personal development in how you're going through your life. I guess, like reframing it so it's more of a personal experience. I guess, like as a second question to that, and I'm not going to go on too much because I'm sure you've got a lot um, planned for the session, but uh, where does like human irrationality and desire fit into that? Because if you're like, if you're in a partnership or relationship with somebody and you're committed and you're conscious of the rules and you're both playing along and um, something comes along where you don't expect it to, where you sort of, you desire something other than what you have, um, could you still fit that into the infinite game um, way of framing things? Or is, does that then turn from what you thought was an infinite game into a finite game because you've switched out and played something different? Okay. Um, so ju just so I understand. So, so basically you're a couple, you've played this in the infinite game, you set up the rules, you've set up, this is our agreement, this is how we work. Yeah. Um, and then one person looks as you know, you think like desire someone else outside of the relationship it, it, exactly like that's I, I suppose um you could use that in terms of making more money you desire more money or you want more material possessions or you want something other than what you have which is like a new partner for example do you then just because of that human irrationality and, and natural instinct for desire or more or something that you don't have um it's almost like a prerequisite for playing the infinite game in order to get that 
deep connection is to um, ensure that within you've worked on yourself enough that you um, uh, are committed to not like uh, want something else. However, that's not something you can really control. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, okay. So, so the infinite game means mm. that you set your own rules. So you decide how you play it. So th there are no rules. You, it's, it's you decide the basis. So now you've got into a relationship, you've agreed, and I'm, I'm assuming you've, ex you've agreed that it's, it, you're going to be exclusive and it's a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is interesting. Um, someone asked about, um, doing a, a meetup on polyamory and multiple, handling multiple relationships. Mm. Um, and I'm happy to have that um, meetup. But as I said to him, it's, I'm all about making relationships simple. And what you've done then is exponentially complicated them. Um, so when you, look at, when you look at success in terms of whatever that you want to, to achieve, so mm. in life, so I think in, in life, we have three key, game, three key games that we play. There's the, the sense of feeling uh, successful, of using our strengths to be able to survive. So having some sense of um, success, um, there's love and there's meaning. Now, when there's also health alongside that and all these other kind of games. Now, when you look at any, anything, if you're going to be a success in business, if you're going to be a success in your career, you're going to be a success in um, any artistic thing, a success in um, health. What it means is it's having the discipline to let go of the short-term desires. So um, in health, um, like I want to eat as much chocolate as I can. Um, but then that's going to cause health issues. So success in health comes from the restriction. It comes from the, the discipline or the habit of not looking for short-term gratification. Um, in, if you're going to be a success in, in business or career, it means that you have to put in, a certain level of work it means that you have to build you have to turn down um like the easy life you have to turn down when there's times when you could maybe socialize or be easier and you have to put in enough effort and um, work to achieve that success and so in the same way in relationships the way that you get the real deep connection and the, the feeling is from the commitment to the game. And it's part of a relationship that there's always going to be that a dip. There's always going to be, um, Jed Diamond uh, has a graph where he shows the, the five stages of a relationship. And it's like, he says that most people give up in the third stage, which is where, you like initially you have the honeymoon and then it goes down and you have kids and stress and things like that. And you haven't really worked out how to work out your differences. And he says the, the real depth um, and companionate love that you get from a relationship comes later. Um, and so it's the, 
if you look uh, in anything in life, what the reward that you get is in relation to how much commitment you've had in giving that. If you look at who, we, who do we love most is our children, generally. And we love our children because we've given so much to them. Does that make sense? And does that answer your question? Yeah, a lot of sense, yeah. Um, no, it really does. And it, I think it's wise words as well. So thanks. Okay. Um, this one other question is, is that, um, how does it work in, in not trying in a relationship? Um, well, the infinite game means that there are no rules. But in order to really, to really, like an infinite game means something you're playing because it's so serious that you're always going to play in it. It means you're willing to, to commit to it. It means you're willing to, um, to put in the effort to make it, I'm going to say success, but um, in terms of being rewarding and, and success, I suppose, is, is defined by yourself. So, um, if you, I mean, there are times, of course, in relationships where it makes sense to give up. Um, if, but for most people, if you can get along and you're quite happy and you've been quite happy for two to five years, then most people have more to gain from staying in and working on the relationship they're not but of course there are relationships where if you're in a relationship um where someone isn't willing to work with you when where so okay so basically it's where someone is playing a finite game where they need to win they need to control um they need to have those kind of things um they're really the factors that mean that you can't play um play the game in the right spirit it means that you, you're playing a game that you can never win and it's not winning in the finite sense but winning as in like winning an infinite is going deeper the winning an infinite is is like if you're an artist it's producing a, a, a better work if you're um it's, it's like um elizabeth gilbert of eat pray love um, she gave a TED talk that she'd achieved, she'd written other books and then she'd achieved this like worldwide bestseller and it brought her great acclaim. And people said like, what are you going to do now? She was still relatively young and it was like, where do you go? You're never going to recreate that success. How do you like, do you give up? Like I've heard of golfers who, um, who got a hole in one or, or, or achieved some great score and then they walked off and go, I'm never playing it again. Um, but the infinite game is something that you do for the love of it. And it's because it's a, it's a key part of your life. So um, it's, you define if that's a game that you want to play, because obviously the infinite game is infinite. So you can go in lots of different directions. So it may be that, you, there really are valid reasons that you can play a better game with someone else in a different relationship. Um, but that it's, it's defining, do you have more to stay? Like, is there scope to grow in that relationship and deepen 
or are you stuck and it's not going to work for you anymore? Does, does that make sense? Okay. Um, okay. So does anyone else have a, have a view on, on that? Okay. Um, have I, have I clearly explained like the difference between the finite and infinite games? Do you feel like you've understood that difference? I think, um, uh, it, it can't be final because if you did something good that made someone uh, very happy and uh, you stopped, uh, keep going, you would lose him because uh, you have to keep playing. That's why uh, you have to make it uh, infinite. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, I think that's very true. I think so many people, I think particularly men, feel like they have to win over the woman. They've won the woman. And then it's like, well we're married or whatever. Um, that's it. It's over. And yes, if you, if you're, uh, that's very, um, like, um, that's a, it's a really valid point because if you stop playing, the relationship dies. Okay. So. But, but sorry for interruption. Yeah. Yeah. No, carry on. Yeah. But there is a great aspect that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you already mentioned it, um, to having like a very nice re relationship regardless it's dating or friendship is um, having your own shadow uh, your own values so so uh, you have like uh, you, 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 you feel like you have uh, appreciation in your relationship and you enjoy it in reverse because by logic, if you give everything in the relationship and uh, make, 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 uh, make the other party happy, somehow like feel like uh, you, are, you are trying too hard. So by human being, when you find someone is trying too hard, uh, he will find you less attractive. Then you, uh, you, you uh, then, uh, then by logic, you did everything, but still. Relationship is not good. Um, okay, so, so what you're saying is if you are really happy with someone and you try too hard, um, yeah. they're going to lose attraction to you. Yeah, you, you would be less attractive. The other part. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm interested in in getting the views like, like what does everyone feel about that do you feel that's valid i think um it's the phrase treat them mean keep them keen um i mean i definitely think there's some sort of um value within that particular phrase um because you know sometimes the more that you do for somebody the less you get thought of um I'm not really too sure of the psychology behind that. Um, you could argue, oh, yeah, if you met the, someone who was genuine and they would see those, um, you know, the, those good traits or those quality things that you're doing for that person as as a positive. But 
you know, the reality is, is if you if you were to like message somebody every day, just just this just as an example, message someone every day and respond to their texts as soon as as soon as it was received, you you wouldn't be looked at as someone who um you know you probably get more of a like a, a desperate type of feeling from that person. I'm not saying that I would personally, but um from experience uh with friends and stuff, um if, if they're texting somebody and the replies are instant it's like oh i'm gone she's a bit she's a bit keen you know i'll hang back on stuff like that i don't really know why that is um i pay my personal viewpoint on it is well that you know if you if you're interested in someone then you, you don't really you shouldn't have to play a game um but yeah i suppose i suppose in the modern day you do okay. i think that um if you you feel you may feel that you're doing a lot and you're doing everything that you think the other person desires but if you if you're doing it because it's what you think they want rather than what they actually want they um you run the risk of that person just not appreciating what it is that you're doing so you're doing a lot but it's just not it's wide of the mark so the purpose that you're trying to fulfill is it's just not there and maybe as a result of that you feel that you're not being appreciated by the other party but what they actually need is not is still not being fulfilled because you you're doing what you think they want rather than finding what they actually want and meeting those needs I think I was kind of going around it in a circular way, but I, I think you get what I mean. Okay, I, I, I've heard this argument before. So what I'd like to do, I think, I believe based on past experience that there is a gender divide to this. So what I'd really like to do is I've been sorting everyone into um, breakout rooms based on gender so i'd like to go to breakout rooms for we're going to go for about 12 minutes um, to discuss uh those ideas um i think i've got everyone um uh there's a, a katie i i i don't know i don't female. know which female i'm female ah okay that helps <laughs> Okay, so breakout. Okay, so so how is your discussion? Interesting. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> I think we had. To, I think I'm not sure if that that we all had the same opinion in that group. I'm not too sure. Do you think? I think we were a bit split. <laughs> yeah, we were. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, everyone's back. Right. Um, is there someone from the men's groups? 
uh-huh. who is happy to share. So I'm just going to, I'm going to mute everyone. Uh, so one, one person at a time can talk. And if I could play music now, I'd play that. What's that? Bonnie, Tyler, we're looking for a hero. <laughs> Pete, some muted. Are, are you going to be that brave gent? Are you that hero? I mean, I can uh, take this stand if nobody wants. Okay. Brave. You, <laughs> Pete just nominated you, Errol. I nominated myself from my group, unless somebody else from my group wants to volunteer. Go on, Errol. <laughs> um, okay, so what I was saying, bottom line, um, it's, a, it's a complicated topic because for a start, treat them mean to keep them keen, I think is wrong fundamentally because it talks about manipulation. Okay, you have to be, if you are not prepared to be honest and genuine in a relationship, then perhaps you're not ready for a relationship. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, you're not being a street pickup artist here. So if you're looking for a fulfilled relationship, then you've got to forget about things like that. Now, interesting point raised in my group was around, well, around people being taken for granted and also people feeling claustrophobic. Um, so this mum was around, for example, I always do something and I do it and without any expectations. And so the other person devalues what I'm doing now. And the other one was around, I want to spend a lot of time with somebody I've recently met and they are kind of running away from me. The closer I try to get, the further they run away. Um, now again, should we be using treat them and keep them keen? Again, I will say no, because it comes back to manipulation. That's not right. If there are issues around uh, being taken for granted, well, that probably means that you have to start working on your communication, get to know each other properly, get to appreciate what each of you contribute to the relationship. Um, and if the other person is feeling claustrophobic, it can be one of two reasons maybe both of them. One is that you may not have the same views in life. Maybe that person doesn't like to have a lot of interaction. Um, it can also be that um, you have a problem, that you are so trying to grab the other person so much that you're suffocating them. You know, maybe you've got insecurities in your life and you're trying to fulfill that by, you know, you, you won't let her go anywhere because you're afraid of, you know, you can't leave, you have to do everything together. Well, well, why, you know, okay, you may enjoy each other's company, but there is a limit to everything. And she may want to go out with her friends one evening and have a nice dinner and have a girly chat. And she doesn't want you to be calling her every 10 minutes to make sure which restaurant she's in, you know? Um, so there is, so there are things like that. And those things come back to managing the relationship, um, I suppose, setting the rules, as you said earlier on in the game, and clear expectations, and having that meaningful conversation with each other so you understand each other's fears and problems. And to be able to do that properly, then you've got to be a grown-up. In other words, you've got to be able to have that conversation in an adult way, 
you're going to be able to be prepared to think that perhaps you are wrong as well, or maybe altogether, um, to be able to self-evaluate. So coming back to it, I think, I, I felt anyway, uh, if the others, even if the others didn't agree with me, I think they did though, is that um, the fundamental, keep them, you know, this thing around uh, manipulation isn't right. Did I confuse everybody enough or should I carry on? No, I think you were, you were quite clear. Has any, anyone got any questions to raise to Errol? Um, and is everyone in, in that group, in Errol's group, in agreement or any different views? Okay, so the other men's group, what was your discussion? What, what were your... we, we, were, we were talking about stuff, I think, a, a bit more early, early on. So not, not in a, I think in a settled relationship, probably. Um, you know, it's not, you, you certainly don't want to set up a, a, a manipulative dynamic, I suppose, or something where you're not being genuine with the other person. But we were talking more about sort of in the early days of a relationship, possibly in the sort of dating stage, when when there's a sort of there seems to be a sort of accepted wisdom that you shouldn't reply back too fast, or it might show that you're needy or that you're you know you haven't you haven't got a a full social life that that you're that you know that you're that you're needing the other person or something. But we were saying that it can give out negative signals sometimes that push people away or reduce potential desirability of you some people can think like that but obviously we were certainly talking about messaging that it that it can be quite it's it can be interpreted in many ways i suppose but it's actually quite a poor method of communication in some respects um because someone could even be working or something you know if they don't respond for a long time so it's quite difficult to gauge um to gauge uh, interest by certainly the, you know, the, the quickness with which someone responds, which I suppose is some, one way that, that they could mean Keaton King could be a, applied, I suppose. Mm. I, I think it's more about quantity yeah. than quality, I suppose. But. Can, I, can I just say something? Mm. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I was in that situation and she judged me based on the amount of time I took to get back to her or how quickly, and, and, and she basically evaluated me based on that, then I have to say, in my opinion, she's so shallow that I wouldn't want to be with her anyway. Huh. I mean, if she's going to be judging me based on just that, then uh, she, I have to say up front, she's not the one for me. Well, but, couldn't you, but couldn't you sort that problem out by just communicating um, your circumstances? In other words, if you uh, in your job, it's very inconvenient for you to be texting. Um, you you know your phone is whatever whatever it is that you do. It's, you can't do it. I can talk to you maybe in the lunch break. I can text you back, or at the end of the day, or before I get to work. But during my work hours, you're not you're likely not to hear from me. Um, rather than an assumption that because you don't hear from the person mm. that they're ghosting you or whatever, they're ignoring you. There's a clear understanding. Because to my mind, um, a lot of misunderstandings occur because we don't communicate. Yeah, I think that's what, that's what I'm saying, I think. That's yeah, what yeah. 
Can I say something, Bing? Yeah. 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 Basically, I see it like this. If somebody's earning money or they've got a career and you're the woman, at the end of the day, if you're waiting for text messages, it's a bit insecure on your part. Maybe it's a self-esteem or an ego um, situation. I think at the end of the day, in a relationship, when you go into it, you don't treat them mean to keep them keen. But from the start, there has to be clear boundaries that the woman, in my opinion, you can shoot me down for this, but the woman is the prize. The man, if he wants the woman and he wants a long-term commitment, not a wham-bam, thank you, man. But if he actually wants a commitment with a woman, then it's down to the woman to be that prize. And you, the woman has to portray herself all through the relationship, not just from the start, but all through it. And it doesn't matter whether you don't hear from them or not, but at the end of the day, it's when you do hear from them, what are they saying to you? Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What are they saying to you? So it's two defined roles. The man wants the woman. The woman is the prize. She has to stay that prize from the start of the relationship to the end of the relationship. It's not treat the man mean to keep him keen. It's treat them, let the man know that you have standards and values. And if he wants to keep the relationship going to come to you a certain way too comfortable then there's no challenge there's no wanting to keep her wanting to keep her happy Obviously, the woman's going to do things the man wants but if you're too easy and too nice and make them too comfortable, then they feel safe with you and they feel like they can take the piss, basically. So if they know they can't do that with you, you're going to keep them interested mm. and keep them there if, if, so, they act, if they want you. That is just in my opinion. It's a, it's a very fine line, though, to be demonstrative. It's, it's a fairly traditional or a, a neo-traditional yeah, role of a man and, and also not to, because of because of women are you know having there's quite a, a, a woman's movement to be stronger in relationships and things are moving away from those old traditional values feminine, for a man it can be quite difficult feminine, to find that balance yeah but if the woman's feminine if you're a feminine woman and hmm. you're feminine and you're playing your part if you're playing the game well as a woman, the man mm. is then going to play the game right to keep you if he actually loves you and wants you. He's going to do that because he's invested in you because mm. you never made it easy from the start. He's invested time, money, energy into the connection and he's not going to want to give that up. But you can't, the woman can't lower that because if she lowers that, then it's changed the rules of the game. Hmm. Don't you think that? Do you think that's traditional? Do you, I mean, do you think that's a traditional, more of a traditional? Probably, yeah. probably, I but think I think it works. I think that is changing. Well, you will, you will yeah. I think it works. Hmm. I could be wrong. No, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I suppose it wouldn't work for everyone. I mean, some of the, you know, some of, there are some women I know that wouldn't stand for that. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the women. I'm talking about the men. Mm. 
But I'm not a commodity and I'm feminine, mm. but I don't want to be treated as a prize to be had. I'm sorry. <laughs> then maybe you don't want a relationship. But you said earlier you don't want a relationship because you just come out of a marriage. Yes, but that doesn't mean that I that I that I think that I am a commodity. That's the point. They're two different things. My marriage. Um, not a commodity, a currency, a currency of love. Yes, but it's it's about the roles. There's a um, a buttonholing or a. a, a, a putting people into a stereotypical um, role. And I think when you get into relationships, you find that those boundaries are not um, as defined. I think you as... have to have boundaries. You have to have them. Otherwise, you're going to be... I think you have to have those boundaries in a relationship because if they're not there and the boundaries can be pushed, that's yeah. when problems start. You're no, not going to got... get what you want as a woman. No, Sorry. I'm talking about this notion of what it is to be a woman and what you need to get out of a relationship versus what the man needs to do and what the man's role is. I have, I have difficulty with that, okay? Because I don't see a man in a particular in one particular um, way, and that there's the role of a woman in another way. I'll give an example of two friends of mine. The man is, he does all that he needs to do, but he's the nurturer in the family. When it comes to the children, he does all, what would traditionally be associated with the, a mother. He is the more yeah. patient, nurturing, loving with the babies. He will walk them yeah, every night. Yeah, but that's good. That's, uh, I haven't got a problem with that. That's good because that suits the woman. No, yeah, but, it, I, but it's not. A, but what I'm saying is not about what suits the woman. What I'm saying is that that for some, but that does not play into the grain of it being the traditional um, boundary that is put before you even get to know the person. Because I am not yeah, expecting a man to yeah, do. Yeah, maybe X, maybe y, gone Z that way. Maybe the woman's got a career. Maybe the woman has a. Maybe the woman isn't good in that area, and he is. So she's utilizing what he's good at. But that's the point I'm making, that different people are good at things and we can't yes. say that because he's a man, he needs to do this. And he's a woman, no, he, he needs to value the woman. He needs to see her as a high value. But so, the woman needs to value the man too in yeah, exactly the same way. Yeah, it's not, it, it's but the woman will the value the man. Yeah, but the woman will value the man if he values her. Yeah, but okay, but it has to be an equivalent. It's not it's okay. The woman doesn't value the man just because the man values the woman. It's not no. She values the man because of what he does. So when so you're talking about the woman being so, so he should value you because of what you do. That's that. That's the game. Both of you value each other because of what you do. Because if one's not giving and one's not putting into the relationship, then it's an unequal balance. There has to be yeah. a balance. But you okay. both need to know where you stand. Yeah, but standing and being and it does not mean that you have to. Um, enjoy stereotypical roles. No, I don't, mean, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like feminine woman. Um, I, I have difficulties. If you're, with... if you're a masculine woman, you're going to demasculate the man. 
Not necessarily. Suppose the man loves it. Unless he's submissive, then yeah, he probably will. But we cannot go into relationships with preconceived notions of what a person is going to be because if they don't fulfill that idea in your head, you're then you don't go into it with them. Then you don't go into that relationship with that person. You go into you the relationship know, with the person know. with what okay. you okay. with somebody okay. that you not that you want. Okay. I, I, um, okay. We beg to a bit beg to differ. Can, can we just explore <laughs> this for a moment, Sarah? Yeah. Okay, so um, what you talked about is um, the woman being the prize, the woman needing to be high value, um, the man needing to achieve that prize. Um, what I'm interested in is, is where, on what basis, like, where, where is the basis of this? So the treat them mean, keep them keen part. It's all to do with the treat them mean, keep them keen. If you go into a relationship as a woman from the start, sleeping with a man on the first or second or third date, he's not going to value you. That relationship, he's... If you go into a relationship from the start as a woman, as a high-value woman, you're going to... So you're not going to value? get with a man that just wants you for sex. You're going to... You're going to entertain a man that knows how knows what he wants and if he wants you he's gonna behave in a certain way and you're gonna let him know from the start by your actions and by the way you are the way you want to be treated which is as of a high value woman and then he's then going to try his best to win you over to get you into a relationship and if you start that way then you keep it that way Yes, as a woman, you are then going to appreciate him. You're going to be loving. You're going to be kind. You're going to be supportive. You're going to be all of those things that he's looking for in a woman or a wife or a long-term relationship. But I feel that going into it, that is how you need, you need to have your game head on as a woman, that that is what you're looking for. And you're not going to take anything less so yes, I mean, so that's that's the way a lot of uh, relationships are, but that's a finite game. Really? Because it, it means that the relation, because it, what it means is it's a battle for power, it's a battle for control. I don't think so. I don't think so. I I don't think so. I think it is that that you've got standards and you've got morals and you've got a way about you, and that that I think that men like that. They like, they like not to have a woman that is like, you know, like you get men that they have women and they just view them as a comfortable pair of shoes. They feel like they can do anything because that woman's not going anywhere. They don't feel like they need to try hard. After the honeymoon period, it's like, mm, I don't have to do all that for her anymore because I did it then and now I can stop. Okay. But I don't feel like that should ever stop on either part for the woman as well. I'm not saying it's one-sided. I just think, in my opinion, that relationships will work that way because the man is working towards making you happy. If he thinks he doesn't have to try anymore, then he won't. Okay. Um, Sorry for the, the game, yeah. Sorry if I just finished. The, the game of relationships, we all play it 
in whichever way that we feel makes sense based on the narrative that we have. The problem I feel with that um, strategy mm. is that what you're saying is to be high value, to be mm. the prize, you have mm. to be something other than is natural to you. No, and so you no, no. mean no. yourself. So I think I think we've explored. No, no, this I don't enough. mean that. I mean it. I mean it that if you bend over backwards and become to, you have to keep your logical head on as a woman. I think if you become airy-fairy, head in the clouds, because you see it all the time, men going off with younger women, men screwing women over. I think if a woman doesn't have a level of logic about it, but, then I, she's going to get screwed. May I, may I say something? Um, I think what Sarah's trying to say, if I understood her correctly, is that uh, women initially need to have some self-respect and yeah. and they you know and and they need to value themselves and so by seeing a guy not to get desperate to try and attract him if that means going to bed with him on the first day then so be it that's what i'm going to do because effectively that's other than being disrespectful to yourself that's also not being genuine because it's just desperate i think that's what sarah is trying to get at here if i understood her correctly yeah to begin with yeah, and then throughout, well, throughout the relationship, obviously, you keep that self-respect as the guy should do yeah. well. Yeah, um, because I feel like they need to know where the boundaries are and how far they can go. Because if they think that they have uh, got her now, it's all right, I've put in all that work and I've got her now, and now I can do what I like, then no. They need to know that, no. Of uh, like if you know I have to put in the work I have to keep this going because I want to keep this relationship because she's not going to put up with my shit so that then comes back to I guess when you're in the relationship not to take the other person for granted exactly and to, and to, so it's your you know, job as a woman to make them feel good uh, can I just say something? I mean, I, I understand the gentleman who was saying like um, attitudes to traditional roles are changing. Uh, I'm just not sure that evolution has caught up yet. And I'm just not sure, you know, that trying to modernize this whole dating thing works. I mean, that's just my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think that um, I think, I think there's a nuance, which is why I wanted to discuss it in, in gender groups. I think um, this is what men always feel, but I feel that there is more nuance to it. I think Errol brought out really well the, the nuance in, in what Sarah is saying, in that, it's a, it, you, yes, you do need to establish your standards and, and not drop, but I think there is a level of playing a game where it, it becomes more manipulative. But I'd, I'd just like to go back to um, the second men's group before we move on to the women's group um, to see if there was any different, different point of views. So are we, are we relating this back to the exercise, the breakout exercise, and treating me and keeping keen? Yeah, we're still yeah. we're still in the groups. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, he's kind of echoing um, what, uh, sorry, I've forgotten the name of uh, in my group. Alan. Alan, yeah, and uh, Sorry, guys, I've forgotten your names already. It's been quite quick. Um, but, yeah, so I think we were saying the, the, the speed at which you text back determines um, how needy you are from, from one side. And I guess that goes into potentially how dependent you are on that other person to fulfill your needs. And because you don't know a lot about somebody, you don't have a lot to go on and therefore you're trying to figure them out. Obviously, the content of your message, you are able to see more of a person and then you can rely that they're an independent person. They've got their things together. They have quite kind of settled down and they know what they're looking for. But in the first few stages, that's probably an explanation for why you sort of like engage in this kind of subconscious dance where you're trying to just figure each other out. Um, and I guess, yeah, it goes on to a little bit more about appearing to be who you are rather than trying to be someone that you think you should be. Um, and I think that comes back to authenticity. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I think there, there's been some other good comments about communication and you can't really, um, you can't really know what the other person's thinking unless you ask them or unless you go into that as a conversation. So to constantly be texting with the presupposition that the other person is thinking that you're behaving a certain way is kind of, you know, it's a hiding to nothing. So it's much better to probably ask straight up um like yeah <laughs> this is who i am who are you and um i'm at work and i might have a delay in my response and just be like honest about it i guess mm. yeah i i think there is great strength in authenticity and being i don't like to use the word high value because um i don't think it's helpful to see people as high value, low value. There's this different people. There's the person who's right for you and not right. Whereas when, when we're looking at high value, low value, what we're making judgments about people based on what we want. And, and so it's, um, yeah, it's maybe even reframe that to say, uh, not high value, but strong values, you know, what you stand for and you know where you stand and therefore mm. you can enter into any sort of, relationship, friendship, um, c companionship or like relationship at work because you know who you are and you know what you stand for and therefore everybody else does as well, I guess. So, and by default, you become high value because you have strong values. Yeah. Yeah. And you clearly communicate who you are. Mm. Um, uh, Balamir Ali, um, just, just before you speak, um, thank you for putting your hand up. I think we get excited in the conversation it's easy to 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 jump in because we, we we've got something to say while it's relevant um um so if we can like put up our hand or, or that so that we can uh make sure we're letting the other person finish bala morali you had something to say yeah so we were talking about uh not to uh consider a person as high value or low value based on like how fast we text or based on our behavior to one person to other one. But uh, when 
but practically this is how the things are working but the moment when we see someone as high value or low value then it uh, obviously affects our ego and which would stop uh, from us seeing uh, the good in the other person so it's, it's totally different from what the value which we stand for so how does it work when it, when it comes to a relationship can we really not use the words low value and high value i really think that it's demeaning to people let's not go there yeah the, the problem is that like when when i try to find something to understand what about to try to uh, get to know about uh, the women psychology or like to get into know like how to get into a good relationship whatever you find in internet or youtubes so it all talks about like be a high value man and be a high value woman but it's it, i i finally find it totally absurd and like it doesn't fit into my value so it it's the whole uh, dating uh, experience is quite new for me i come from india so like i live in germany so it's a totally different culture when i get exposed to a different culture it it totally it's, it's, it's altogether a whole new experience where why do we judge people why do we make why do we create such an ego at first place and why do we want to like build up a relationship on top of the ego so why do we keep playing all these games so that is what like it's been uh, wondering for me i've been i'm breaking my head since ever since i get into this <laughs> i i just like to, to, to address that. I know Sarah's got a hand up, so I'm going to let her in next. But I just want to, the whole high value, low value thing, um, if you think about it, it comes from someone trying to sell you something. If they're trying to sell you a system, they have to say that you're going to get the prize, the high value partner, so that you follow what they say. People are people. It's not just because someone's got... What makes someone high value? Because they have um, more money, because they ha they're prettier, because they have something. There's people that you are right for you, but it's not like everyone's ranked in a hierarchy and some are better than others. Everyone is, is worthy of human respect. Everyone has value as a human. It's just who's right for you. And the... Quali that hierarchical quality it doesn't mean like and this comes from like ranking i think it probably comes from the where men would rank women in, as a number um and say like i want a 10 so i've got to be up my game so i can get a 10 um and none of that has any relation to long-term relationships long-term relationship is it doesn't after a few years, it doesn't really matter what someone looks like. You know, you, you've got used to them. You, once you've got into that relationship, you're comfortable with them. It's the qualities that they have. And when they're talking about high value, it's tip, typically not those qualities. It's, it's looks. It's I, I convey that I'm a high standard person or, or whatever it is. So um, I think it's worth knowing where something comes from by to then judge the how effective it is um sarah you had your hand up patiently sorry to keep you waiting hi uh can you hear me yes 
Oh, so high value, obviously I've got no makeup on at the moment. So <laughs> when I say high value, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean to do with looks, what you earn, you know, what job you do, where you live. I mean, I live in a housing association house. I've got no makeup on my face <laughs> and uh, my place needs decorating and I'm a carer. I look after a 96-year-old and my daughter has Asperger's and lives at home with me. So when I say high value, it might come across in a derogatory term. Maybe that's not the best way to put it. But the whole point was treat them mean, keep them keen. And the fact that a relationship is a game. Yeah. So what I was trying to convey is this. If you want a soulmate, a twin flame, a actual solid committed relationship, yeah, then you have to have your values, your morals, you have to know what you want going in from the start. Because if you don't, as a woman, you are going to be approached, especially on dating sites, because a lot of the men there, not all of them, a lot of the men there are just looking for sex, yeah? And a lot of men that will approach you on the street are looking for sex, yeah? And if you don't value yourself and know what you want as a woman, if you don't have a game plan from the start, you are going to get mugged off because these men are approaching you because they want to have sex with you. Not because they want to get married, and have I'm sorry, Sarah. Yes, that's true. But I'm sorry, I have to butt in. But I refuse to look at all men and approach and think that. I'm all not saying all sex. men, darling. I'm not saying all men. Please, but what please, I'm saying please, is this. Please, please, I'm not a. I don't, don't no, 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 darling. Whatever, because that's like you're speaking down to me. First and foremost, I'm saying. I was actually speaking. We no, we're disrespecting men. I think we're disrespecting men. If I'm all we can do men. is look. Please let me finish. I say I think we're disrespecting men when we look at them and think that the only thing that they want from us is sex. I don't agree with that. Well, that's your opinion. There are women also. Listen, there are women also. Can you let me look finish? Men and want sex. Darling, look, I, I, I said, don't, darling me. I said, don't, darling me. Don't. I respect your opinion, but can you let me finish? Because I did put my hand up, and Rob did say that I could speak, so you can speak after me. If that is okay with you, I don't mean to disrespect you I'm in any way. I'm just asking you not to call me darling. I'm not your darling. Okay. Sarah, I will respect okay, Sandra, you. Sandra, can also. you speak after me? Sandra, can you have your Okay, turn? okay. If we just, we'll just let Sarah, Sarah, if you want to finish, and then we will So I'll quickly, I'll quickly finish. I won't long it out. My point was this. My point was this, that if a man likes you and approaches you, if you want to weed him out and you want to find out what it is he wants from you, yeah, as a woman, in my experience, yeah, then you need to be, you need to be stuck in your values, stuck in your morals, know what you want. So when he approaches you, yeah, you don't get airy-fairy and carried away and buy into whatever they're trying to sell you. You know what you want. 
I want a twin flame. I want a soulmate. I want a spiritual connection. This is what I want out of a relationship. I want something long-term. So when that man approaches you, that is your game plan. You already know what you want. You're not going to get swept along with the winds of the tide with his fancy talk. Yeah. You know what you want. So when someone comes to you, you know what they want. So then you're not going to jump into bed with them straight away. Because if you do that, how you start a relationship is how it continues. Because if a man sees you as a friends with benefits or someone that he can just have sex with, he is going to view you that way. In my humble opinion, I could be wrong. This is just how I see it. So if you want your strategy, your game for life is I am looking for somebody who is going to be loyal, devoted and loving, and I'm going to be the same and I'm going to give them the same without, um, mugging myself off and bending over backwards i've done the work on myself i haven't got daddy issues i don't need to fix things from my past my past is fixed i've released my negative emotions and limiting beliefs so if i go into a relationship i know what i want and i want somebody who is the same as me and i know how to play that situation i know how to play my cards right yeah. So anybody can see it how they want, but I see it in that way. It is, you have to play your cards right, in my opinion. And that's what I've got to say on the matter. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So we're going to move on. Um, the first, okay. So what about, have we got anyone from the ladies group who's got something different to add? I don't know how I can follow that really. Um, very strong opinion. And I was in that group and I, I didn't fully agree with that, but I do understand what she's saying about, um, you know, know what you want from it when you're going in. Um, my take on it was that maybe my experiences are completely different to hers, but I've always been like just quite straight up with people. That doesn't mean just jumping into things that just means being your real self and not playing games. Um, I kept getting the feeling that what was coming across at times was that, um, you know, if you were, if you didn't, if, if you were being your real self, that meant you were going to do, I don't know, <laughs> it will all go wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm hearing it differently, but um, I don't know. I just, I just felt like you just connect with people. You just be real self and be just straight up, you know, you know, quite, I think you know quite soon if you like people or not and then just be honest about it. if you just find that you're not interested you know we're just not really that compatible but what do I know <laughs> I don't know I just it's all new to me as you know Rob <laughs> I, 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 I agree I think um, it's easy to react from pain and from fear um, and I think that can make us guarded um, what I'm really interested in is that what I've noticed this idea of keeping them keen to treat them mean to keep them keen mostly comes from men and it often comes 
in a relationship where men will feel their partners lost respect for them and got bored because they got what they want. So I'm really interested in women addressing like this. So, so one of the barriers, um, and I, I, I can see where men see this, um, and I can see how it develops, but I've never quite worked out the nuance. Um, and I know women typically see it very differently. Um, so I'm really interested in women talking about a man that feels that they've given everything and then the woman's lost respect and lost interest. I don't, I don't know why that would happen if, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't lose interest in a man or lose respect for him if he was just being his gen, genuine self. But then maybe I'm an anonymous. I don't know. I just I don't see. I don't know if the other women here think that. But I I wouldn't lose respect or interest in a man just because I'd got what he thought you know I wanted and then I was bored. I don't know. That's just. Mm. But I, I will say that I'm not very um, I'm not very typically female you know I, I I was um as you know I was a physio I had my own career I had my own home at 23 I didn't bother to get married till I was 35 um and then I had my children at 40 43 and then uh I'm about to start a whole new again approaching 50 I I don't really care about stereotypes or or what's expected of me really so I wouldn't say that maybe my view is typical and I've got a lot of male friends um, and that's all they are friends. So I don't view men in that way of that they've got value to me as a potential um, suitor. It, it, I don't know. I'm quite baffled by that, that kind of mentality that, that, that you would... Uh, maybe it's because I've got close friends that are male. I wouldn't sort of um, have the idea that you would treat them mean to keep them keen. I, I just don't get it. It's really alien to me. I just, I just can't, I just don't get my head around that. I guess I'm just quite straightforward with people and tell them, but that doesn't mean that I would behave in a different way. I disrespectful way. I don't, I don't know. Maybe as I say, it's too soon for me. And this just, I'm just quite baffled by that. Okay. Um, I find I it very difficult. Rob, I'm sorry, Rob, but I find it very difficult to, to, grasp the notion that we are commodities hmm. uh, um, to be desired or not desired to be um, not seen as of sufficient worth based on some set of criteria that you don't know you're being judged by that's one um, that we have roles that are predefined that we should fit into. Um, I, 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 I can, just, can, I, I, you know, I just, I find that all of that very difficult. Sorry. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I just say, I think that was one way, one interpretation. Um, and Sarah's talked about, um, that's her view. And I, I know there are, people who play the game of relationships in that way. 
Um, so we're not saying everyone gets to choose how they play the game. And we've no, it's, all not, had... it's not just zero. It's also the keeping mean um, thing. It's it's the whole thing. Oh. It's not, not just zero. It's, it's just everything being, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So, right. We've got Sheila and Alan. Um, I'm not sure who was first, uh, but uh, we'll let ladies go first in traditional roles, if that's okay, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Rob. Um, I think from my point of view, I grew up in, in the 80s with the, you know, with all the government TV adverts about AIDS and everything. And from, a, you know, traditional, you know, being told traditionally as a girl, you know, you've got to be careful. All guys want is to sleep with you and everything like that. And, and everything Sarah said, um, you know, but I, I think I'm old enough now and wise enough to know differently for myself and times have moved on. In terms of, you know, um, saying guys treating girls, you know, treat them mean to keep them keen. I think that's stereotyping, you know, having been in a relationship. I think some, some guys may do that and they still do that. Um, but I don't think it's the same for every guy. And I think as Sandra said, it's disrespectful to, to stereo, stereotype all guys like that. In, in my situation, I feel that, you know, sometimes guys, um, don't there is that feeling that perhaps a guy thinks you are too needy but i think there's also that other side of the coin in that guys perhaps are um not as forthcoming with their replies or communication because they are busy just as women are busy with their careers and their lives life gets in the way um but also because perhaps they don't want um they don't want to give the wrong impression that um how should I put it, that, um, that the female or the guy from either side um, is perhaps moving too fast from them. They don't perhaps haven't worked out that communication to give that impression that they are moving too fast and they, they're probably possibly holding back, standing back because they're not ready for that yet. Can I, can I just ask a question on that? Where I've seen it most has been in long-term relationships. So this isn't um, where I typically see it isn't so much about the dating. I know there is that whole dating vibe thing, but it's typically um, an explanation or that men have of, of relationships that I gave her too much. She got everything she needed from me and then she was looking somewhere else. In my experience, I haven't come across that. And admittedly, I've only been in a long-term relationship off and on with one guy. Um, I think it, we're at the point where um, it's not so much as, you know, um, treat them mean to keep them keen. It's more a case of perhaps not necessarily wanting or knowing yet what we both want or not uh, wanting the same thing. And it's trying not to hurt each other. So it's not a case of treating them mean to keep them keen. If anything, it's the other way around, perhaps trying to let them down without being hurtful. But the other side might not see it like that. And that could come from the guy or the girl. It's, it's the problem here, the word mean, I'm thinking. That from a guy's perspective, and I suppose maybe this is where you know, mean keeping keen comes from, which is a stereotypical comment, I suppose. Or, yeah. Or but, um, you know, it, say, for example, you did 
you know, you were just like a patsy. I mean, I, I don't know if that's an offensive word, but it's not, like a mint kind of. So you just did everything that the other person said and everything they wanted. I don't think a woman would like that either. I think they want some challenge, and not in a bad way or in a power structure way, but but they, they want a dynamic, I suppose. And if that dynamic is all one way, because you're just doing everything they say, and they, you know, they say dumb, yeah. and you say how I. I think, there I, are I think there are a couple of things there. Um, one, I think a relationship should be equal, and I don't mean it. Each side does exactly the same thing. It's whatever each other is good at and what each other want from that relationship. Um, the other side of that is, I, you know, I, if that were the case, I wouldn't disrespect the guy. I think, um, and certainly from my own experience, you can, whether that's in a relationship or a, a, a job or whatever, you can become complacent and not realize it. And it sort of like just drifts. And I think sometimes you can grow apart because you're not growing together or at different speeds. And that can be in a relationship or a job or anything else in life. It's not, you're not disrespecting your partner. You've just taken them for granted, but not realizing it. Okay. Thank you for that, Sheila. Um, Alan, are you still? Yeah, I just wanted to um, just kind of give it from like an, a little bit of an alternative point of view, um, just to pick up on a couple of points that have been raised this evening. Um, I don't think it's helpful to, you know, to kind of separate things into gender, because at the end of the day, we're we're all human beings, and we're all here because we want to learn more about having successful relationships. And as I've spoken about in previous weeks, for people who haven't been in attendance, is one of the most important things for having a successful relationship is to have a good relationship with yourself. And you're never going to have a good relationship with somebody else if you don't have that good relationship with yourself. Because if you're seeing yourself, let, let's keep it simple and go from the, the term that was used before, high value or low value. If you see yourself as a low value person, which is low self-esteem, you know, you don't have a high... Um, you know, a high worth, you don't feel like you contribute to things that you don't think you're particularly attractive, regardless of how you look, um, then that is going to be reflected in the relationship you're going to have with somebody else. Consequently, if you think that you're amazing, that, you know, you can get anyone you want, that you've got this big, you know, amazing job and you're earning all X amounts of money, then again, who, who's going to be good enough for you? I think the most important thing is to be, you know, is awareness and to see any sort of relationship from an equal standpoint. Not all men want to have sex with people on the first date. I certainly don't. Um, I don't have any interest in it whatsoever, to be quite honest. Um, and most of my friends, and I do have quite a lot of friends, I'm very, very lucky now, um, Format think exactly the same way as what I do, so it is just a it is just a stereotype. Um, but where I was coming from in the treat the main, keep them keen was just kind of from the be almost from the beginning of the point of the point of uh, of any sort of relationship. Um, but the other point and final point that I wanted to make was 
in relation to people getting comfortable in relationships. We all know about people, and I'm just using this generically, uh, people putting weight on or or no longer trying and um, you know not, not engaging in conversation anymore. I personally think that you should always try. It's not like you, you make a friend with somebody and then go, you know what, I'm not going to bother talking to them anymore and I'm not going to bother going to these social events. I think ultimately, as I've said at the very beginning, it's about having a good relationship with yourself and you've got to keep it real. You can't suddenly be doing, you know, all these physical things and mental things and attending these groups to better yourself and, and going to all of these, you know, going to the gym so you get a better body and all that. And then as soon as you get with that, that person, then you, you know, you relax and go, you know, I've got this person now and um, now I don't have to go to the gym and now I don't have to uh, work on myself. I personally don't think it should work like that. I think it's about, because there's no end game. Rob, you know, you, you're right, it is an infinite game. I, there's no way I could go, right, I know everything about relationship now, so I'm just going to give up. I, I don't. And I think nobody, nobody ever will. So I, th- I really agree with you on the, the infinite game rather than the finite game. Um, just, just, just to pick up, there's, there's a couple of things. I, I, one of the things I wrote, I wrote down was about um, patriarchy. Um, and I think it was... Um, to do with like the roles in society that the roles in society that we've been given traditional roles are a reflection of our culture and they're a reflection of our cultural history and and that we're all products of a patriarchal society and what that means is that we've been conditioned not just from our parents not just from school even though we've grown up with a more um, egalitarian view of relationships but our whole culture has imbued us with what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman and while we're not limited to those constraints I don't think we have to play the game as in man female uh, masculine feminine I think we can set the rules of of whatever we want to play the game but we are products of that um, conditioning, I do think there are biological differences. And so the the reason I think there is a big gap between um, men and women in, which is uh, a problem of communication, a a, a way of viewing. And so that's the reason why I feel it's sometimes helpful. Um, And what I wanted to get at tonight was the different views of men women uh, on the same topic um just just to address that um sarah we we we've heard quite a a lot about your view but um i don't want it to be um like this is about diversity of opinion so i don't want um to go too too long but um do you have something new to add yeah yeah i do (laughs) yeah yeah So um, what I was saying is that, yeah, I feel for men. I feel for men. If men feel like what they're doing isn't enough for a woman, I do feel for that. I think maybe I might have come across in the wrong way. Maybe I didn't express what I meant in the right way. Um, 
Yeah, I know roles have changed and da 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 da, da everything else. But what I was trying to say is that a man, when he first approaches a woman, it's because of the way she looks. Yeah. And if a woman isn't, doesn't know exactly what it is she wants from the start, she could maybe get played because there are, I'm not saying all, I know not all, because there's a lot of men that don't want to have sex for a very long time. I understand that. But what I was trying to say is that there are men that do want that. And as a woman, high value, in my opinion, doesn't mean, yeah, right, okay, so let me break it down. Obviously, yes, most men are going to go for the way you look because that's what they're going to be attracted to. I'm sorry if it's stereotypical and if I've got it all wrong, but I, in my opinion, men go for how a woman looks. If a woman looks rough on the street and not all that, I can't see them approaching her. If she looks beautiful and oh, it doesn't, whatever you say beauty is, if she looks put together, makeup, dressed nice, smells nice, looks good, then probably they're going to approach that woman. And if they approach that woman and she sleeps with them straight away, then they're going to have got what they wanted. And now she isn't the prize because they got it straight away and if they could get it straight away it means that any man could get it straight away and now they're not I don't I don't know if I'm coming across wrong maybe I'm old-fashioned in my thinking I don't know but my point was that if you look good and take care of yourself it doesn't matter the I don't mean high value in that way. I just mean in the way that you carry yourself. If you want, in my opinion, as a woman, if you want to attract a man and get a long lasting relationship that means anything, yeah, you have to treat them nice, yeah, let them take the lead in a certain way. Yes, Maggie Thatcher was a brilliant um, prime minister. And men love that. And I'm a leader. I'm a Leo. Yeah. So I am full of confidence. Yeah. But saying that, when you meet a man in the beginning, I feel like they want to take the lead in a certain way. And if you allow them to do that, in and and you have some morals and self-respect about you, then in the game of a relationship you're going to be in a better position to get the relationship that you want and if you want to keep that relationship and keep them interested and wanting to know more and wanting to be with you then I feel like you need to stay at that level because if you lower that the thing that can happen is that they can get bored complacent and then um, neglect you and just feel like you're there and it doesn't really matter. I'm not saying all men will do that. Okay. But I'm just saying that if you want to play the game well, then maybe you need to keep these things up because if you don't, you could get screwed. That is just in my okay. humble opinion. Okay. Thank you.
Um, okay, so does anyone else have anything new to add to the whole treat them mean, keep them keen perspective? Shall we move on? Um, I know we're, we're running a bit late, but there was one more thing if, if, um, if people have time that I'd like to share. Are we okay for time, most people? Yeah. Okay, so um, part of the thing about an infinite game is that, so when we look at like the fairy tale, it's a finite game because it means there's a pressure to find one. There's a pressure to win someone over. There's a pressure, there's this social pressure for people who are, there's like social pressure on people who are single. Like single is, is less, it's like you're, you're not doing as well. There's a pressure of like when we divorce or when we split up, it feels like a failure. Um, and a lot of that is social pressure. And whereas when we're looking at the infinite game, then wherever we are is just a place. So if we're hurt and alone, that's just a place. If we're um, lonely, that's just a place. If we're dating, that's just a place. If we're in a relationship and not so happy, that's just a place. And it's, so it's more about moving to where we where we want to be so i'm just going to share something of the way i visualized it and this is um what i call the relationship landscape and excuse my drawing um but basically this for me is like the landscape of relationship and i realize what i've left off is is this like single and happy um and i, I think that's because most people are usually looking to be in a relationship. There are some people that are quite happy being single, but so basically it's, I've got the bit of Barrowlands. This is where people are sworn off relationships because they've been hurt in the past. Um, and they're scared to try. There's heartbreak hell, which is like that period where you've been hurt and you're healing. There's, the toxic trap where people get into a toxic relationship. Um, frustrating flings refers to when someone wants to be in a long relationship, but the relationship just aren't working out. Maybe it's not the right person. Maybe the person is not committing. Um, the dating doldrums are when you're dating and it's not really working out and you're fed up and, and um, it's not really going any further. It's domestic drudgery when you're in a relationship that's got into that domestic state but it's just, it's not really working. It's just drudgery. And then there's a little bit of bliss bay where like everything is how you want it to be in a relationship. So for me, for the infinite game is about knowing that we, we probably go through most of these. Most of us go through most of these at some time or another. So it's not that we've lost. It's just that this is where we are. Where do we want to be? So does that make sense? And does that um, uh, speak to anyone in, in terms of how, how we do relationships?
or is it a conversation killer? Um, okay, do, does that, that doesn't make any sense or doesn't? I have to admit, I zoned out there a minute, so I didn't hear the question. Okay, so, so basically, if you are to view, so I feel that there is, from this patriarchy, from this whole society, I think there's cultural pressure on people to be in a relationship. There's cultural pressure that feels like you failed if your relationship hasn't worked out. And I know I was the one who decided that I didn't want to be in my marriage anymore. I was the one who um, took the choice to separate. And yet when the divorce paper came, I still felt a little bit of, oh, I failed. Is that feeling that something, even though logically you might not feel it, and I know lots of people feel, um, I've never really felt like when I was single, it never really, um, like it was fine. It was my choice. But I remember once I was at, um, I was at an event and someone said, well, um, you know, why is, your, why is your partner not here? And I said, I'm single. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, why? I'm single. So what? I'd never felt like that. And I know, particularly probably more for women, who've reported it to me but they feel like it's a judgment on them and it feels like it's something they're not doing right it's something that they're not which I think goes back to where there was all this pressure on spinsters that if you didn't find a husband you were left on the shelf and you were a burden to your family from a time when when women didn't have um, means to to means to earn their own money and, and, and to be independent. Um, I don't know, does anyone feel that pressure, feel that sense of value, cultural value? I can just um, tell you about something that ironically happened to me today. Um, there was a conversation going on in, in uh, my workplace between myself and um, a couple of the ladies that worked there. And just to cut a long story short, um, there was, you know, they made the comments, I made the comments, and then I said something, um, and then reply came back, and it was just like it was nothing to do with the conversation at all, but the their reply, one of the girls' uh, uh, sorry comments came back, and the comment was as, as follows: um, "I remind you, it is me who is married, and you are not." And I was like, <laughs> um, okay, well, I, did, I didn't reply to it at all, to be honest, I just I kind of like walked away at that point because it was just like a, a bit of humour, but I think that person meant it. Um, but I, I went back into into the room uh, on my own and I, I gave it a little bit of contemplation. I was thinking, that person has said that as like, an offensive thing towards myself and clearly sees marriage as a success, even though I know that she doesn't have a good marriage and there's a lot of problems in the relationship. She's told me about um, domestic abuse within that relationship. Um, she doesn't have a good relationship with herself. And I kind of like thought to myself, well, how is it that you can make a judgment that you're better off than what I am based upon 
the fact that you're in a relationship with somebody and well, she, she doesn't know whether I am or not, but she just said about the marriage factor. So yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you just in relation to what you mentioned. Yeah, people do that. People do that kind of thing. And it's basically, when you, if you analyze it, what it's basically amounts to is that they don't have a logical argument and so they're going to try and shame it, it this is like an attempt to to cut like stop you from talking by insinuating that yeah they're, they're doing better and this is something so so i look at um where's the journey so like if you're looking at in relationships and this is something i've given a lot of thought to is where's the journey like where's the high point where's the low point um in order that you can like progress like it's like we're, we're doing a journey to um to have better relationships to to, to have be, like feel better about our relationships and yet um there is this view that it's better to be in a relationship and yet so many people are in bad relationships that they're miserable in that they're much happier being single and yet there is this view that like you say like this whole facebook idea of look how happy i am um you know with my partner that i'm going to break up with in two in two weeks um yeah, and I, I, I think this is really where we're not honest and we don't have honest conversations about relationship because there is so much shame um, created and that shuts down conversations. But also I think we have to look at um, relationships in the context of our communities, you know, our friends, um, because when you're a part of a couple, and I suppose that's why there is some status given to we are married, you know, I'm part of a couple. And so we have friends who are maybe more than likely also couples and we fit in there. If you sever the ties of that marriage, then you you will find that um, you could be an outcast from that group. So, um, and by that, your status then is diminished, so to speak. Um, and maybe some people would rather not have to face all of that kind of change, you know, at work, in in the with your friends and they put up with the relationship for all of its um, deficiencies so that they uh, can maintain the status quo because that's their that's where they're comfortable and it means a lot to them and um, your total life would become uprooted in a sense your friendships your where you are because marriage is, is a desirable state to be in in society you know in yeah, your... i i agree with you sandra and i think it also works the other way where um you know when your friends start getting married and having children and you're not um you also lose that social circle because you're not 
a couple, you don't have children, and therefore as a single person, you surely cannot understand, or you no longer have things in common. You can't talk about your children. You know, when they are meeting, when they're married, they meet other couples and you're single and not in a relationship. So again, whether that's out of embarrassment or out of because you don't have as much in common anymore, you're no longer invited to these events. So I think a lot of sometimes people go into relationships so they don't lose that friendship circle that they have. So I, I think... Sorry, go ahead. Um, thanks, Errol. Um, I, I think that this all boils down to it, there being a universal need and desire to be loved. And that keeps us from uh, having to fear dying and how that's a very um, singular thing. You can, you can only do it on your own. Mm. Um, and I think that relationships actually cover that up um, and prevent you from, from having an existential crisis because you know, I think you're, you're so far removed from an existential crisis when you're inside someone, for example. Because that's like the opposite of when you die, because when, when you die, you don't, you die alone. I think, I think, well, life is like, yeah, I think, so the way I see it is life is a solo journey but we need to be a part of the pack and it's the pack for survival so when you say it's about the existential do you mean like i'm interested in, in learning a little bit more detail um i don't really know how else to say it hmm. i said it really um is that we yeah we, we all have a need to be loved even if it doesn't look like we do we, we all want to be loved. Um, maybe, that, maybe that desire is stronger in people who have not had, who haven't felt loved by their parents. That can be very strong. Um, but, but I think at the end, it, it, what it does is that desire, it just stops us from thinking about what it might be like to die. And, and I think actually the, the group is what gives us life. The energy of, of other people, the love of other people, belonging. Yeah. I think, um, sorry, Errol, you, you were next. No, no, it's all right. Sorry, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm butting in. Um, doesn't, um, doesn't this effectively come back to um, realizing your own self-worth and being a lot more confident in yourself. I mean, you have to, to some degree, feel that you're okay. I mean, love yourself, I guess, to some degree. I don't mean full of yourself, but I mean, being, um, being confident in yourself such that you can withstand the pressures of society. So as Sheila pointed out, um, uh, as your friends get married and have children, um, you may very well find that you no longer have enough in common to be able to retain that friendship circle. Well, then you may need to 
perhaps find a different friendship circle. Easier said than done, I get it. But um, on your journey, that environment is no longer suitable for you. And therefore you need to change. I mean, life is full of changes. Um, and change provides us with discomfort, I get that, but also provides us with new opportunities. So by feeling more confident in yourself, you can kind of accept that things are changing. Now you may have a longing to be loved and all the rest of it as, as uh, Imogen pointed out, and that's, that's true, everybody likes it. I mean, we all like a bit of um, you know, pep talk and an ego boost and all the rest of it, but and it may be very well be something to the point that if you have had some sort of lack in your life, that that kind of fulfills that. But I think the real growth has to be in your character, <coughs> in that um, you need to you need to learn to love yourself and realize that actually um, you are okay. Work in progress, but you are okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And but that is, it's just incredibly hard to do. It's just, it's so hard to do. It's so, it's so hard to sustain it as well. And oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, there, there, there mm. are ways. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say it's easy to do. There are ways of doing it, but yes, um, I think. Well. <laughs> One one way I've done it with a with, but it was mainly with career was to um, look at all the positive things in life that you've done that you achieved, and to see that actually even in hard times, um, I think your own behavior and response to it, that if you have acted with integrity with honesty should be and realizing that you've done all those things i think should ought to give you enough confidence to hold your head up high i mean i've been through for example redundancy and as you know i've been through a, a long marriage breakup and i don't sit here feeling ashamed that it's happened because i look back on it and actually even though at the time i felt embarrassed to have been made redundant it was the first time it happened to me I mean, how can I potentially be made redundant? You know, I was good at my job and all the rest of it. But that's because I had wrong values in life. I was very much position-centered. You know, the, the job I had well, defined me as a person. And naturally, when you lose that, you feel worthless as a person. But when, that, when I started looking within myself, I mean, I got in touch with a book, Hokovi's uh, book, and when I looked into that, I realized that actually I had the wrong view of the world and what mattered was integrity. And when I think back on it, actually I behaved naturally, and I don't know why, but I behaved with so much integrity at the time that now I understand why the people who made me redundant were embarrassed because it was made for the wrong reasons, but that's beside the point. The point is that my behavior force them to reflect on their behavior. And they felt embarrassed. At the time I was embarrassed, but then when I look back on it now, I realized that by just behaving properly, I made them embarrassed. Mm. 
And so when you realize that, you kind of realize, hey, you know, it doesn't matter whether I am divorced or I am, um, I've been made redundant or whatever. Look, it's been, it's been a grow up experience for me. I've grown up as a result of it. It's been a positive thing. I'm not saying I enjoyed the lesson, but I think it was a lesson I needed to have. It's allowed my character to grow and become a stronger character. And I don't sit here feeling embarrassed because I'm divorced, because I'm not a wife beater. I'm not a um, abuser. I, you know, I'm not a cheater. I behave with full integrity as far as I'm concerned. I'm not perfect by any means, and I'm not an angel at all. But I don't think I'm that bad, so to speak. I, I've got my faults, yes, and so has everybody else on this call. But it doesn't make me less of a person just because I'm divorced, because I behave with integrity throughout and during divorce as well. Yes, I got angry and we shouted at each other and you know, sought you and sought you back and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, I feel I've always made the choices with good intentions. And I made decisions with consideration. And because of that, I feel self-worth and value in myself. I can sleep well at night. You know, um, anyone can. That's why I feel comfortable talking to you. And you heard me talk quite freely about my life and my, my uh, marriage. And that's why I feel comfortable talking about it. Because I feel I have behaved with integrity throughout and during. And I think if you can do that and realize that you're doing that, then I think you realize that you're a good person. Not a perfect person, just a good person. And in a way, you know, that is all that you need to be. I sound like a Bible preacher, now, don't I? So, I, I was just thinking, we've got the Scouse gurus about to be next up, but I think we need, we need a name for error as well. <laughs> we'll, we'll think on that while uh while alan uh, yeah any ideas in the chat box but and we're now going to go to i feel like i need a drum roll but we're now going to go to the scouse guru i say that that's an excellent introduction thank you rob um yeah i was just kind of see one of the things that we all need is connection with other people I think one of the things that we've got here, you know, you, you spoke earlier on, Rob, about um, about being part of a group. Well, being one of the fundamental part, things of being part of a group is having connection with other people. And that connection is, is shared ideas, shared values, shared thoughts. You don't necessarily have to agree with everybody, but you can still see, um, feel a respect elements coming from other people. Um, but when... In regards to like your original comments um, about society's views on on people who are single or as I like to call it in a, in a self relationship, well, I, I know the vast majority of people wouldn't be able to cope on their own, um, and I think it it requires a, a great deal of strength um, from the individual to be able to come home of an evening when you've had a bad day and not be able to speak to your partner because you don't have one and go, you know, this is what happened and that's what happened. I think that does require a, a lot of strength. And it also gives you 
the ability not to rely on other people. And I think perhaps, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I would personally prefer it if I didn't have to rely on anybody else at all. And I don't mean that from a nasty point of view because I'm a very sociable person, but I, I would rather be self-reliant and then have other people around me, not because I feel like I need to get things off my chest or because uh, I have a need within certain areas of my life. And that's kind of what my goal is at the moment. I, I want to be self-reliant and I don't want to be, because I would hate to be in a situation where I thought to myself, you know, I've got to stay with this person because if it, if it, if it don't, it means I'm on my own, which you see all the time. Uh, you know, I speak to people every single day with, you know, I spoke last week about fear, where fear is the biggest part of, of, a, person's, of a person's life. And that's not something that I want. Um, it, it is difficult, though. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's an easy road to go down. Um, but there's no point in, in accepting something that at the end of the day isn't right just so you can go, oh, yeah, I'm in a relationship. Because a couple of years or a couple of months down the road, that relationship's going to fail because ultimately it was never right in the first place. And then you're going to be not even at square one. You're going to be worse than where you were before because you're older and you're certainly not wiser. And then you've got another failed relationship Um behind you so I think just keep, keeping an eye on yourself and and you know having that gratitude we're all sitting here we can all hear each other we can all see each other and um, we all have the, the freedom to do what we want if we if we don't want to continue with this session we, we can cancel it off so there's a lot of things in life to be grateful for but one of the things that that we do we do as human beings is to want the thing that we don't have, and in this case, we're you know we're, we're talking about relationships, or you know it will come. You've just gotta you just gotta believe it. That that's just my opinion. You've just gotta keep that belief that things will come. But though, and those blessings are there waiting for us. But we've got to be ready for those blessings. Otherwise, if that blessing comes when we're not ready, then it won't be a blessing at all, and maybe it'll pass us by, or we won't be prepared for it, so we'll lose it. So you just got to be patient. I, 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 um, I think you're right. I think the less you need, the easier it is to be happy. And if you can live alone, you, you know, like you, people talk about the Dalai Lama and, and people like that as, as being these great, wise people but it's or, or these enlightened people but it's easier to be enlightened and to be calm and and peaceful when you don't have a family when you don't have like a, a, the domestic life that of most people so i think that if you're able to um be self-reliant and and that has its own challenges as most of us have a, have a need, you know, like to share our life and, and to have support. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Um, Sheila's patiently been waiting. Um, 
I just want to say I, I agree with what Alan said. You know, I I was brought up by um, both parents. Um, I was brought up by a very strong, independent mother, and she's brought myself, my sister, and my brother up to be strong, independent people. So I'm in a fortunate position where um, I am self-reliant financially, and you know. Um, Obviously, I have my family if I need that emotional support. But um, I have a question, really. You know, I've, I've said this to my partner before, you know, and I've, I've spoken to other friends, female friends, who are also strong, independent women with good careers who can financially support themselves. So to move away from that idea of traditionally where you had to find a husband to support you, we're not in that position. We've gone way past that. So my question is, I've often said to, um, we've often said, you know, we don't need a man. You know, if a strong, independent woman is in a relationship with a man, it's because she wants to be in that relationship. And we feel that wanting to be with that man rather than needing to be with that man was actually in a stronger position for the man. How do you, how do the guys feel about that? Do you feel unappreciated or you know when we say that we're not saying we don't when we say we don't need a man we don't need a man to support us in the sense of financially and be you know for us to become their dependents but does that come across differently from the man's point of view I think from my from my perspective it does um I think we all understand, and, and I know Rob mentions the patriarch quite a lot, so we all understand that, that it has been a fairly male-dominated world, and obviously things are changing, and it's sort of organically happening probably from the, uh, from the bottom up. So, and, uh, so I suppose, you know, it, it's fine for sort of women to, you know, club together and support each other, that's cool. And, uh, and, and in some respects, sometimes, I think, you know, the, the, the saying it is cool, but sometimes you do find people who... Who do try and pigeonhole you a bit, I suppose, basically. And I think that doesn't. I mean, you know, a strong a strong woman doesn't scare me, and an independent woman doesn't scare me, I suppose. So, but some, but there is there is a sort of movement where there are there are quite a lot of people who it does sound like they actually kind of hate men, and they and they do put men down quite a lot as well. And I think that that I find that a bit tough sometimes, basically. I think. Okay. Um, Errol, did you uh, before you go? Did you want to respond, or, or, or is your response in the chat box sufficient? Right, okay, let me uh, just very quick, only only because my uh, my son was uh, uh, waiting for my attention. So yes, uh, to respond to Sheila, I think I think there's a lot to be gained from a relationship with a strong person. Um, because you can build on that quite easily. Uh, there are, and I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but if, if both parties have got strong personalities, then I think what you find is that there are less weaknesses in the relationship, that there are um, less fractures in the foundations, if I can put it that way. I think sometimes um, men get, uh, and this might be psychological or uh, social conditioning, but sometimes I think men get um, 
afraid or intimidated by strong-willed women. Um, I've been lucky enough to be a manager for many years. And I have to say, uh, some of the best workers I had were strong-willed women um, who could really get the job done hardworking and they didn't take rubbish, you know, they didn't suffer fools gladly. And it's really good that they were like that, but I suppose I never felt intimidated by that. Um, and one thing I've noticed is that when you have a strong-willed woman, she's not going to be a walkover. She's not going to play the pretty lady in the corner, do as you're told. But you know what? Um, you're going to get a heck of a lot more out of staying in the course, communicating with her respect, because she'll probably get a lot more respect from me. Um, and hopefully I will get her respect back. And in a, ineffectively, um, because she's a strong-willed, and I'm guessing that also equals intelligent, um, that we will do a lot more in life together, be a lot more productive and more fulfilled because of that. Rather than, because then otherwise, what are you looking for? A cleaner, a slave, a yes man? I mean, you know, if, if you're not looking for a partner in life, then yeah, fine, go for somebody who hasn't got a character or who's got a broken character that you can uh, dominate. But if you're looking for a true partner, then you shouldn't be afraid of her intelligence or her strong-willed character that she debates, that she says, actually, I don't agree with you on that one. And she wants to, you know, discuss it. I'm not saying argue it nose to nose, but, you know, sit there and discuss it like grown-up adults, trade ideas. I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a brilliant thing. But it does mean you have to be a grown-up, that you can't have your male ego getting in the way. That's my opinion. Mm. Thank you. Right, I have to go. Sorry, guys. Good okay, night. we're we're going to be here thinking up your name while you while you're gone. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, fair enough. All right then. Good night. Okay. Good night. Good night, Errol. Um, okay. Uh, before we go to another strong-willed woman, um, Balamir Ali, you had your your name your hand up. Were you? Did you still want to talk, or have you? I think uh, Errol covered the point which I wanted to convey because like growing up uh, with a single woman as my mother, like uh, we had like three kids and she was the only woman who took care of all the so So the woman who is independent and who is strong doesn't like really frighten me. So rather I get so much uh, inspiration and so much respect for them. So I think it basically boils down to the childhood and how we perceive the power that later on our stages like defines our character how we react when when a woman is independent and when a woman is uh, a, a strong person yeah yeah I, yeah I, I um yeah i think i think it, it um it can be can be the case that it's it's Yeah, I think it's security um, and childhood plays a lot into that. Um, okay, Sarah. Hi. So, as you all know, I'm a strong-willed woman. 
I think you've gathered that. But my point of it is this, that I am strong-willed. I have my shit together. I have my money. I have my car. My daughter's 26 years old. I've got my place. You know, I know who I am and what I want. But at the end of the day, I, I want to need a man. There's no point in me having a man if I don't need him. And I feel like the man that I, that I end up with, as a, I've been single for five years. So for me to get into a relationship and to, I want a long-term commitment. I don't want just dating. I don't want friends with benefits. I want to be with somebody who brings out the best in me and I bring out the best in them spiritually, emotionally, physically, you name it. It's got to be the whole shebang. And that person has to be pretty damn special for me to even want to commit and want to spend my life with them because I'm quite happy as I am. I know who I am. I've, I, don't, I, I don't need a man to validate me. To make, I don't need them financially. I don't need them emotionally or spiritually. I've got that covered. But saying that, for me to bring a man in, then he has to be all of those things. And that is what I need and that is what I want. Otherwise, I don't want an assistant. I don't want a personal, you know, a personal assistant, you know. So for me to bring a man in, I understand. And you can call it hierarchy, traditional. People can call it what they want. But I understand the dynamics of a man and woman. And I could be wrong, but in my personal opinion, for me to bring a man in, I need to let him do his role as the man, which is to take the lead in a certain kind of way and to meet my needs in a certain way, because that is going to make him feel like a man. And I want to feel like a woman. And I believe that um, if I'm too masculine and I'm too like, I don't need your money, I don't need your help. I don't need your this. I don't need your that. I'm not going to then make him feel like a man. And I feel like you need to make the man feel like a man and the woman to feel like a woman. You're two different entities in this world and you're on your own journeys. But at the end of the day, you've, you've got, to make him feel like a man and he's got to make you feel like a woman for it to work and I could be wrong I could be wrong but if I'm too masculine and I'm too like I don't need you for anything why is he there what's he there for what's his role what just as I've got pets I've got a cat a dog and a bird and a rat and a daughter why is he there He's got to come to add something. He's got to come because I need him in some way. Not that I need him because I don't need anybody. I'm okay on my own. But there's got, he has got a role to fulfill and a need to meet. And I don't know if I'm explaining that well or not. 
I might be coming across as very um, old fashioned. I don't know. So please enlighten me. Well, that's that's your view. Um, in your past relationships, were they? I that haven't balanced? had that. No, they weren't. I was with a guy that. Um, no, they weren't. I haven't had that ever. No, no. Uh, they've all took from me and um, tried to dim my light, tried to, um, didn't appreciate me for who I was, didn't let me shine. So I need a man that can let me shine and let me be the centre of attention and let me be who I am. But at the same time, I've got to be mindful of the fact that I am very strong and outgoing but and I need to let him fit I need to let him be the man and in, in whatever way that is whatever way that is but just the appreciation because I will appreciate the man but without trying to take over everything and micromanage everything I don't want to do that I want to be with somebody who actually gets it. I organise a lot of people, um, you know, and I'm responsible for everybody's welfare because I'm a carer. I look after people, but I'm also an energy healer. So I've lived a lot in my life and I want a man who gets it. Who I don't want to be the one planning everything. I okay. want to be able to let him plan things and let him be in control whilst letting me shine. Okay. Okay. Well, there was, there was two hands up, uh, Janice and Imogen. I'm not sure who was first. So we go with Imogen's unmuted. So we'll go okay, Imogen thank first. You. Thank you. Uh, um, Sarah, I, I wondered why you needed a man to feel like a woman. And, and um, also... I can no, sense. I also, I can sense from here that you've got like a, quite a big buyer up. No, 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 no. I don't need them. I, I am a woman. I'm all woman, and I know that I'm a woman. Trust me. I don't need a man to feel like a woman. What I'm saying is that I don't agree with the fact. I don't need a man I don't need anybody I am really my own shining bright star I'm okay but for me to get with a man and to have a relationship I want him to feel like I need him I don't what is the point in me getting with a man if he's gonna feel like he's my personal assistant like he's my carry it like he's my back he's my butler I might as well go and get a submissive or a slave. So, so can I think I understand what you're saying. And yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you're saying, like me, you are strong and self-reliant and you can do everything yourself. But actually, yeah. you know, you sometimes, you're always the one that's taking charge and looking after other people. You want a guy to actually sometimes take charge and look after you. And you need I want to a man who can fulfill that role because otherwise he's going to be to lower than me. Take care of you, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. And for it to work, I don't think it work unless I'm with a submissive man or a slave. I don't think a man is going to want to be with me in a long term relationship if he feels 
that I'm outdoing him all the time. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You, yeah, you're strong, right. but you need to be strong enough to let go for him. Yes, to be able to and let him be a man. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I mean. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Janice, you've been waiting patiently. Okay, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, this is a bit ouch for me to say, and I'm, and I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to say this out loud, right? but I'm going to try. Um, okay, I was like you. It's hard to believe if you look at me now. I was kind of like you. Um, so I, I completely get what you're saying and I realise why some of the things now what you're saying is really jarring at me because I was... Say, so bef so when I was younger, I, I, I was very much um, in control of all my own things and then I literally got to that similar point where I thought, you know... I'm always the one sorting everything out. I'm always the one doing everything. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I, I get that. And I really hear you. But then what I will say, that put me in a really dangerous situation. It's only now hearing you that I understand why I got into so much trouble. And Rob knows my backstory. So he's probably going to go, oh, at last. <laughs> I did exactly what you're saying. And that put me in a really dangerous position. I was like, right. So let that man, so let myself like need him. I had to make myself less than. And hands up, no, I literally no, no. gave I, over no, everything. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Yeah, but I, I gave over everything. I want to stay as I am. I don't really want a bad. man to take my power. I'm not um, giving my power away. No, but you are Thank saying the exact same thing where you're saying um, to make him feel needed. Yeah, yeah but you need I to do need, need him. him. I did that. Yeah. I do need him. I need him to do jobs around my house. I need yeah. him to pay for stuff. I need him to make... I need him... I, I do need him. No, I but, think that's a perception. I'm not giving my power away. I'm no, still my own No, but I think it's person. a perception, and it's your perception, and I recognise it because I've, I've done the similar thing, is that your perception is to be less than, to make him feel needy. No, 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 no. I'm not less than. I'm still my bright beautiful shiny but you're saying star. that you need to need it you need to make him no but what i mean is no 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 uh, no what i want him to know is as strong and as beautiful and as powerful as i am that i still need him so that he doesn't yeah. feel less than me but it doesn't so mean how that do I'm you see that playing out power. then sarah so how do you think you're going to make him feel needed? That's my question to you without giving up any oh, of your power. I'm going to let, because I'm going to let him do things for me. Right, so that's I'm where I started say, off, I'm, not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, oh, it's okay, I've got a painter and decorator. Oh, it's okay, I can pay for this, I can okay. do that. I'm going Sarah, to let Sarah, him do those Sarah, things. Sarah, yeah. I, you can have your say, but we need to be one at a time so that we're not oh, just all talking. Janice, have you? Sorry. All I'm trying to say is that, so, uh, you know, I, it's very, very difficult because I can, I, I can see now in retrospect where maybe it, it's very hard to get this across because I can see that you've got your own viewpoint and it's a bit like, you know, everyone's got their own perception. You're standing, you know, looking at it from a different viewpoint. I've gone... 
I've gone from being at the top of my career, having control of everything, being able to do my own DIY. My dad was a builder. You know, I can paint and decorate like, <laughs> you know, I can't do plumbing now. So no one asked me plumbing. But anyway, <laughs> and so, you know, I was renovating a house when I met someone first. And, and I, you know, I was climbing my career rapidly. I was really driven, really ambitious. And I had my own house at 23. 100 grand straight off from the work we did on it, right? The person I was with at the time was totally, you know, I could see him getting less and less and less than, you know, and he was like, oh, I can't get married, you know, until I earn enough. He was clearly never going to earn enough. He was never going to, not by my judgment, by his judgment. So that ended. And then I was like, you know, you know, the more confident and strong I'm getting, this is harder to find men a man who actually likes a woman to be in that role and I'm and I can see it now I literally kind of thought I either I need a, I need to find a really confident strong man who can kind of be in that role to where I can need him and let him in which is what you're saying right I'll that backfired on me massively and, and it's really hard to tell one, you one, one minute Sarah it, it, it backfired massively because what happened was I found what I thought was that really con uh, um, confident guy, but be really wary because what happened was um, it, it was it was so gradual I didn't even really notice. So everything got took away a little bit at a time, little bit of time, little bit of time, little bit of time. And it was done in such a subtle way because I thought it was me allowing him to be needed and so I didn't question things until it was way out of control. It was done, I, yeah, it's really hard because you, you don't even see it happening. Yeah. So just be wary of that, wanting that thing because he will appear, but it's not a very nice thing when it does come like that. It has to be you not saying you need him. I, I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's quite the right way to look at it, I, you know. Um Thank you for that, Janice. I so, don't know if that makes sense, Rob. I, I, yes, I, yes, it does. Need the, to be less than to be need, you know, to need someone. I, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 there, there is. We, we have a relationship need to be. Um, we all need someone, most of us, um, and. But there is that. Yeah, like if if you're. Bye, Ali. Um, but there's that um, not losing yourself. And, and as Sarah, I want to want to say this before I let you speak: is we're not here that you don't have to convince us. It's not who wins the debate. It's not who comes out um, and how much that you you are able to um, show us that like your point of view is right. Because this isn't going to be sorted out in debate this is what happens in in life and all of us have our blind spots and the reality of what's going to happen is going to happen and it's not that like you can have your your view way of your point of view is better and it's going to um prevail but what people are, are doing here is trying to show we see different things like i'm wrong in in i have blind spots in certain things there's parts of me that that um i don't understand about relationships and the same for everyone that's what so, i said it's like people seeing it from different perspectives isn't it yeah 
Yeah, so this isn't about there's right or wrong. There's, you play it your way, but it's about um, this isn't where relationships are played out. So you don't need to convince us because I don't want to spend, um, you know, like the next 20 minutes talking about, because this is one part. So um, um, now if you want to respond briefly. So very, very quickly, no, 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 I understand because I've, been, I've given my power away before. So I, I totally, 100% understand where you're coming from. Um, so my point, whereas I'm trying to convince you, is just basically maybe I'm, I'm being misunderstood. What I'm trying to say is that for me to be with a partner, um, he has to be so much. Um, I can't just be with the regular guy that goes down the pub, you know, that supports the football. I'm sorry if that sounds shallow. I need, uh, for me, it has to be someone artistic, cultured, spiritual. It has to be so high in my estimations, not in everybody's, I'm high value, I said that wrong. Um, so it, people are gonna take what I say, how they wanna take it. So what I'm trying to say is this, like, yes, I want the man to feel needed. It doesn't mean I'm gonna give away who I am and what I'm about, because I have a lot going for me. I have a massive amount going for me. And I know that, and I'm not being arrogant. I just know that. But what I'm trying to say is the man that I have a future, long-term commitment with will know that I love him, respect him, need him, value him, and want him in my life. And that is the only point that I was trying to make. But if I don't get that, I'm cool as I am. I've got I've got all of that. So I know whoever ends up with me is going to be very, very lucky. And for me, for me to be with that man, yeah, I'm lucky. We're both going to be lucky. It's a mutual thing of where we both need each other and we both help and support and love and nurture each other. It's not one-sided, but he will know that in some way I do need him. He's not lesser than me. He's not my lackey. He's not my bag carrier. He's not my butler. I don't know if that comes across the way I want to say it or not, but that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. And I hope you, you'll both be very happy. Yeah. I'm sure you will find. Yeah. I'm going on a date tomorrow, so wish me luck. He's taking me to the shard for dinner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you can report back with your happy ever after oh i will do i will do i'm very hopeful about this because we've got a good connection so i'll keep you posted okay good luck thank you <laughs> has anyone else got anything to say i know we're getting late so we're in the late light night crew here now I think um, I think it's it's hard, isn't it? You know, it is it is all about having a good a good balance of things, and um, 
not overstepping the mark. <clears throat> so you're not too needy and also not understepping the mark. So you're kind of showing the other person that you don't need them at all. It is all, it is all about balance. Um, so that, that is definitely something to to consider. Um, I'm just trying to like think, you know, when I wake up tomorrow morning, what, what have I got out of of this this evening? Because uh, I always do find these these sessions sessions valuable. It is interesting um, to hear other people's opinions on stuff, and you know, I think sometimes as human beings we can be um, be drawn into rights and wrongs, and it, it shouldn't be about that because that can be one of the barriers to having a success, successful relationship in terms of, you know, I'm right and you're wrong, so therefore you must buy down to me or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's important to, to try and listen to what everybody, else, what everybody else's opinions are and just take from each, every, each and every opinion something that we, we think will benefit us in the future and even if we're hearing something that we don't agree with then we can also listen to that and go well that's not something that I want in the relationship that I want to form with with this person that's going to come along um, so yeah it's it's been an interesting evening and, and thanks everybody for your time and thanks to you Rob again Thank you for for all you've brought to tonight and, and to all our meetings. There's one thing I just want to say before I um, pass over to Sheila is that I think we are on a self-journey, but there is also this, so we're on our own self-journey, and this is what came up when, when Errol was, was talking. We're on our self-journey, but we also, our place in the pack is really important. And so there is how we see ourselves, but there's also how others see us. And there is a sense of value, high value, low value. There is that perception of people. Um, and we do need to not devalue ourselves um, and to show people that we have value for the pack, but we need to separate our own inherent value and then the value that we express to others and i think um you sort of touched on it in in that if we're authentic if we're strong we know who we are and we're able to share who we are then we inherently show that value socially um sheila thank you for your patience thank you I just wanted to add, thanks, Alan. Like you, I, I get a lot out of these sessions. And I think um, from that specific question I asked, I actually think my next step is actually to go back to this guy I've been seeing off and on. And, you know, and perhaps my communication has not been good. You know, my understanding of saying when, you know, I, I said, you know, I, I don't, a strong independent woman doesn't need a man if she's with a man or with a woman, she wants to be with them in that relationship. I think I need to, from what you guys have said and what from others that the girls have said as well, I think I need to make sure he understands where I was coming from. 
And as you said, Pete, it's not to say I'm disrespecting him as a man, because I'm honestly really, really appreciate everything he's done and the support he's given me. And what I was trying to get at was that, you know, a strong, independent woman doesn't need a man to survive. She can do that herself. If she's with a man or with a woman, she's there because she wants to be there. So I think my, my takeaway from this is I want to ensure that he's understood what my message was, is. Mm. So thank you. I, I, I think the reality is none of us need a relationship. It's the perception that we need it. We want a relationship that enhances our life. And it is sadly true that men are threatened by stronger women and more successful women. And there are a lot of men who can't cope with a woman who's more successful than they are. And, um, but when you're looking at who you want a long-term relationship with, you're looking for someone who's secure and someone who can create their own rules of the game. And just because someone's more successful financially in their career and status wise, there's also qualities that you bring. And, and so I think what every relationship has to define is what is the contract we have. So all relationships have a, a what I call an unconscious contract, in, in meaning that I'm in this because I'm going to get this from you and I'm going to give you this. But most of the time that isn't spelled out. So if we make the contracts conscious that he knows what, what you want from him and how he can bring you value in the relationship and you know, and you equally, then you have an agreement and then you have a way of knowing what are the indicators that determine a successful relationship, if that makes sense. But don't you think also that you, you use the term contract, um, but there's also a contract with self. Mm -hmm. To be true to self, to try to be the best that one can be, um, but also at the same time to be willing to compromise, but, not to, but there are certain essential ingredients of one's self that one can't compromise on but there are others that you should be for the sake because it's two individuals that are coming together and to in order for them to overlap uh, you know you don't want you're not trying to be one but there is a certain amount of overlap there has to be some amount of compromise and um being willing to compromise those things does not necessarily make you any lesser of a being of a person but also, um, so for me, yes, the contract with, for the relationship, but also a contract with myself to want what's best for me to be able to grow as I am, but at the same time to be conscious that I also value the relationship as being a part of me, that I need to also take care of it um, because... It is, it is, it's also contributing to making me a better person or a, a more, um, a, yeah, a, a better person in the sense of fulfilling my, 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 my needs or wants, as, as you say, um, because 
in a sense, their, 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 their wants because we don't actually need this, some of these things that we think we need, which I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, but I think also that this notion of what a strong woman is, we have to be careful that we don't put it into a stereotype as, as well, you, you know, because there's that, um, there's a notion of what a strong, a strong woman ought, is based on, I suppose, the caricatures. But nonetheless, um, I think everybody's version of what is, what is a, a strength and what goes to making up a strong woman, it, it, it will vary to a certain degree. But we as women also need to not buy into that to the point where it becomes, it makes us caricatures of ourselves. If, if you know what I mean, playing, playing this, it, it's like we assume a role and we play it to the max. Yeah. Um, and and that, that in itself um, brings pressures to the relationship and that in itself is, 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 is dangerous. And, and while I have the floor, please let me just say, I'm sorry for my outburst earlier on, but as you can see, I'm a very passionate person. And when things go wrong, Rob is laughing already. When things are not right, I am going to say it. I cannot help myself. Mute me if you must, but I will. I am sorry, but I really, I love men too much and I really cannot tolerate hearing men being denigrated for no reason at all whatsoever. So please forgive me for my passionate display <laughs> for whatever meta, meta word. I, I, think, um, I think part of being a group is the value of the group is the diversity. Um, and sometimes I think there's people that come with a set view that they want to portray. Um, but I, I, I feel that as part of, like, part of the family or part of the group is that you have to, you have to let those, um, there has to be a bit of up and down in order to, um, to get to what, there, to what there is. But I think ultimately it, it comes down to like respecting that you're, you're entitled to have different opinions. Um, there's just one thing, and I saw Imogen, I'm going to get you in next, but there's just one thing I, I just want to pick up on. It's that I don't believe, when I talk about the contract, I don't believe in the compromise. So I talked last time, um, I said about my views of, um, I think first you have to have like the, the spiritual view, who, where are you in the big picture of the, you know, um, of like whatever view of meaning of the universe. The next one is the contract with yourself. Um, and then the contract with the other, but it needs to be that the person, uh, um, I think the determinant of a relationship is, can you be yourself and you have something to give them? Do, can they be themselves and they have something to get to them? And what we're doing in dating and in building a relationship is finding out, can I be myself and still have value and enhance your life? Can you be yourself and have value? And then I think it should be like, if we, if we don't, if we don't have that overlap, if we're not, if we're going to detract and someone has to pretend and play a role, then 
we that's not the relationship that's going to work actually so, actually um rob when i said con compromise when i was using compromise maybe i needed another word it's really not compromise in terms of um um, so, um either um suppressing a characteristic of yourself in order to mesh with somebody else it's more of a transactional type of compromise like make practical decision making wherein you have to agree negotiate and agree it's almost like okay i i need to live in this city for example and i need to live in that one how do we that's the kind of compromise yeah. i'm talking about not about characteristics about yourself yeah Okay. Sorry, Imogen. Thank you for waiting patiently. <laughs> yeah. See I'd, I'd say, I'd, um, sorry. It's okay. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd put myself in the category of being a strong woman um, because I'm okay with being vulnerable and I'm very open and I'm very open about how passionate I am as well. So I think in that sense, I'm a strong woman. Uh, unfortunately, I think it does intimidate some men. Um, the very men that I would probably want to have a relationship with. Um, and I think I've found that I think that it, it can attract very egotistical men um, if you're a strong woman. Um, and that can end up being quite an unhealthy relationship. And they, they might not give you, they might not, they will make you think that, 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 that there's love there when, when really it's mm. I don't I don't know how to describe it um, it's getting a bit late now so um, yeah I haven't, I haven't got anything else to say sorry <laughs> that's fine um, Sorry, Rob, can I just add um, to something Sandra said about um, the definition of a strong, independent woman? And I think I understand. Um, I, something as a, as growing up as a teenager, an aunt said to me, you know, um, uh, you can't be too strong um, because if a strong woman was a strong man, we'll always clash. And I got that. And I think from, um, you know, I see myself as a strong, independent woman, but I also know that as a strong woman, I have to be strong enough to know when to ask for help and ask for help. And I think sometimes that takes a strong woman to do that. It's, you know, being a strong woman doesn't mean that I'm invincible and I can do everything on my own. I know when I need help and I need to be strong enough to ask for it. Yeah, I think it's, it's important um there is strength in vulnerability um and just being able to communicate clearly you know what do i need um and it isn't a weakness to need something yeah so i think going to the point that this auntie had said you know as a strong woman you can't have a good relationship you can't have a strong relationship with a strong man i think you can but i think both sides have to um know to have that respect for each other and and stop and listen it there is not it's not a case of um, someone being a winner and someone being a loser you know you need that compromise yeah it's it's about the ability to resolve difference 
the respect and the trust to let each other um, understand each other. Um, that the 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 view, like the whole point of this, is that we have lots of different views, so that somewhere we're going to come out with a better um, a better view. You know, like I, you know, the, the, I could do like lots of people do do a webinar and, and say this is this is the gospel, but it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as good as having, you know, people with different views to show my blind spots. Um, and the same way in a couple that both of you have more wisdom than one of you. Mm. And I, I, I think every relationship is unique. So everyone writes the rules for their own. And so I think we do get um, people will relate based on their experience, but it's not that you can't have the relationship. It's who do you need to have that relationship with? And I think strong is one, one like dimension, but there's so many dimensions to people. Oh. Uh, you just said something um, which is interesting in that um, you, you hone your, your instincts and your gifts and your, you know, everything uh, according to the relationship that you're in at this, at a given time, it becomes part of your experience portfolio. And in some respects, um, if you're not careful, your next relationship, you may want it to be a carbon copy, bringing the same um, traits and everything, habits that you developed in the in the last relationship. So the kind of um, rhythms that existed in that relationship, the kind of um, cues that you developed as, as partners, you're expecting to, to have this, that same dynamic develop in the next relationship, ignoring that the other person has a different set of skills, a different set of experiences, different reactions, different everything, you, you know, is different. And yes, some things may become over time familiar, uh, you know, or seeming like, like what you had, but that expectation that... Um, you are who you are and the adjustment is not going to be to meet the other person it's the other person having to conform to you because that's your comfort level it's almost like somebody ha uh, you know having an idea of a, of his perfect mate and then every mate after that has a look has a similar look I found that with my husband and I, I okay, I, I, I'm, I'm Frank. Okay. He likes brown girls with long hair. Okay. So, so his girlfriend before me, brown girl, long hair, girlfriend before that, brown hair, brown girl, long hair. Okay. And so it's a pattern. So I know that if I see somebody like that around, I know that he could like her because there's that, that, that pattern is established. And I know that that's, his, that's, that's what he goes for. It's like 
a man who likes blondes or one who likes brunettes. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Um, but nonetheless, do you, there's the other side of that. Do you try to conform to these preconceived ideas that this person um, is throwing at you? You know, and sometimes in some very oblique ways, why don't you do it this way? And you should, you know, and the suggestions. And sometimes it takes you a while to, before you realize that, hey, they're trying to make me into an image of somebody that they probably had a relationship in the past that they have very fond memories of. And that in itself can make you feel very inadequate and also cheated on because you're being made to be what you're not and not appreciated for who you are. I don't want you to just nod. I want you to tell me something different. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I was just, I was just thinking we need, we need a name for you as well. <laughs> um, so I think what's really, um, It's the idea that someone is fixed and there is if you, you, you we've probably all gone into certain jobs certain um, environments and we've really struggled and we've really been at our worst and then we've been somewhere else with certain people certain roles and we've really thrived and it's the same in relationships that you could have a the relationship with the same person and yet it's going to you like your uh, that um like you and someone else could have the same relationship with someone else with with the same person and yet you would see an entirely different side of that person because the climate of the relationship is going to bring out different aspects of them it's going to make them show up differently um and the parts of them are going to make you show up differently. So there is, that's why every relationship is unique because it, you, although you might be having a relationship with someone and they may even have some of the similar traits, we, I think we look at people and we see the tip of the iceberg and we say that we know that person based on what we've seen on them. Now, when you look at Facebook, um, Facebook has, 400,000 separate data points on each person. That's how they can bring advertising. That's, you know, like um, the bloke who wrote Sapiens, Yura Nova, yeah. whatever. But he, he, it was artificial intelligence that told him he was gay before he knew. Um, that there, there is, um, there was some company, there was a bit of a scandal, but she had adverts um, about her being pregnant before she knew. And they didn't know that like from, from tests, but they knew from the data points that their data analysis is so good that they can tell you things like that's how you can get um, adverts to you so targeted um that like just because they're able with artificial intelligence they're able to add all those data points and so there is so much more 
to someone then being strong, being high value, being this, being that. There's all these different dimensions that are going off and to to take intelligent handsome any of those things is is just a gross simplification of a human being uh, and I, I, I are you bursting to get in was this quibbling the the because i'm a statistician as well and see what you're talking about with the data points it's a bit like when when you when you know like when you think when you say oh I think of I thought of someone and you rang me or something you know you called me you think of people all the time and they don't ring you but you always remember the time when they ring you so I'm just saying with that that but that in some respects it isn't necessarily the clever advertising of Facebook but I know Facebook is clever but they're probably chancing their arm basically so maybe if she was looking at for someone who's pregnant or someone maybe it's just the type of stuff you're looking at I suppose basically so you know that, that they're just trying it so it's not the timing i suppose it's just the, the connections there but i didn't want to detract from your point but yeah. i think i am basically but yeah no no but well basically my understanding of it is like they map out all the people that do this all the people of that and you've got your age you've got the demographic yeah. um and yes some of the people that they will send it to won't have been pregnant but they shared see, so many of the that, similar characters that personality test you sent around the, the 16 steps I, yeah that was amazingly accurate on me i have to say and i don't normally like personality tests and that's obviously an old-fashioned thing that's not facebook but it when i read it i was just like whoa no, <laughs> it really it, and, and i've done those sorts of things before you know and they just thought you know it's a bit like the old fortune teller they, they just sort of you know like when you see Derek Acura in action or something he sort of picked up on stuff you know, and he, and he waits for someone to, to, to make the connection and then he's in there. And it's, and some, I found, I quite often find personality tests quite like that. But that one was really quite perceptive in a way that I haven't seen one before. And that's kind of the, the old, that's like the newer stuff, isn't it? All the old, that's quite old fashioned. Um, that's the expert could yeah, do the same thing. Originally dates from uh, Carl Young. It was Carl yeah. Young's archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite a fan of him actually, so. Hmm. Pete, what are you? I was, uh, I was an advocate, actually. Really? Yeah. It, it was re when, when I read it, I was like, wow, it really actually made me understand myself in a way that I haven't. Which, which, which combination of letters is that? Oh, God, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm mainly introverted. I'll, I'll look it up. What, what were you, up. Imogen? Um, INFP, so a mediator. Oh, are you? Oh, you're really close to me then, because I'm an INTP. Uh, I'm a diplomat. God bless Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So I didn't get this. Rob, any chance of sending it to me? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can yeah. do it. Everyone I've heard it too. to, it just says it's too. really accurate. <laughs> I'm just getting a link. No, no, I had to laugh because the examples that they gave were Barack Obama and Oprah, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. And I said, no, 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 no. He takes so long to make his, and I'm so passionate and he's so cool. I said, no, this is cannot work. Anyway, I'm a diplomat. <laughs> so I'll try to be a diplomat. <laughs> That should be your name, I reckon. The diplomat. <laughs> okay, yeah, we, we've we've got a name now. I'm I'm all, or you could. 
I think um, there's another term for what I am, which is apparently a dreamer. Oh, really? Yeah, but a bit of an idealist. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's come across. Probably <laughs> has. Mediator. I think so, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's funny. I can't remember my letters, but it was, I, I just said, oh, okay. If that's me, well, so be it. I will, I will take it and I will try and act on it. So when I'm being interpreted and really being, he will remind me that I'm a diplomat. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think um, it's had some uh, quite large criticism for its... Um, statistical and scientific basis but I think it's a good starting point and and you can look at it's true it's not true I like Myers-Briggs for me it feels like um, the one most descriptive okay here's what mine says it says I am extroverted true um, intuitive um, that's my energy. I am feeling, yes, I, as you can tell, I'm emotional. I'm judging and assertive. Yeah. <laughs> He's nodding, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think what's good about them is, is whichever one you are, it it shows you the value in it whereas i think when when we have like these set things of um some people are good some people aren't um people you know like if you go by intelligence the people who are, who are intelligent um and some people feel less if you go by status and money some people feel they're winning um and it's not it's really like we're going back to the infinite game it's about how can you be better? How can your life be better? And I think that that is really um, what everything else is in service to. This is kind of going back to when, when, when I was complaining about you saying that love was a commodity, I suppose, isn't it? Cause, cause yeah, country, but I didn't say it was a commodity. Yeah, everything in this country is so commod commodified that they, you know, they just put a value in everything, don't they, basically? Yeah, and, and see, the, the, the thing is that why I think that's really important is that when you look, so for a career, people will spend, you know, doctors will spend nine years training for a career. Um, who has spent nine years? Like for me, love is equal a value um, of um, like money or physical survival or success or whatever. And yet no one spends it anywhere near the same time. Um, and so people put it on this sacred, can't be debated, can't be um, questions like um, what's the uh, status. And yet, yeah, that's it. Um, and yet they don't, their actions and their values don't, don't equate to that. It's like give word um, lip service to it but um, don't actually live up to it. But part of that, I think, has to do with 
education, you're expected to work. You know that you're going to have to work at it. You have to pass exams. You have to stick at it. You have to do better. You have to really work at it. Work to get ahead in your career, you have to work at it um, in the main, right? So it's effort. But romance and relationships come with a glowing um, airy-fairy um, expectation at the beginning, uh, which doesn't have a work tag attached to it. So the expectation of work is not there at the forefront. It's when you get into it that you realize, hang on, to maintain this thing, it's hard work. And many of us are not equipped to do the hard work, especially yeah. if we have had very little um, good examples yeah. in, our, in our life. Um, I learned. Yeah, we have to I learn the job. I learned the lesson the hard way. Um, so like you said, Sandra, you know, I was brought up to, um, I'm, I'm Chinese. My, my ethnic background is Chinese. And our, our whole culture and the way I was brought up is that you, um, you get a good education and you build a career and you can financially, you're sound and you're stable and you build a good future for yourself. Um, and that's what I did. And up until 2016, you know, I had a good career. I, I guess I still do. I, I'm redundant, so I don't know. But, you know, I'm in a good place. Um, but in 2016, I realized as friends um, were getting married and starting families, and my social circle was getting smaller and smaller, I'd spent so much time concentrating on my career that I realized how lonely I was, you know? And I realized that that point that, like a career, you have to work at having a good social life. It doesn't just come to you. And there's an art to having friendships and relationships yeah. that I think improve with effort and time. Yeah. And if you're out of practice, then it's like you're starting from the beginning, I find. Because I find that there's some people that you you gel with and it's organic and the friendship flows. And with others, there's a process that takes more time and it will come good, but you have to put in the, the effort. Both sides do. It's it's yeah. just like it's just like a, you know a romantic relationship. You can't take things for granted in life. But nobody tells us that. That's the point. You you go to school and they tell you um, you get the religious studies, you get the history, you get all the rest of it. But there's nothing that really. Um, and yes, you'll get the sex education, but it's the nuts and bolts. It's the mechanics, but it's not about the emotional bits that go together to glue and make a relationship um, work and the dynamics, the ebb and flow of relationships, you know, between partners, etc., and um, also the impact of children mm. coming into a relationship, the impact I'm of, of parents. I'm an idea out here. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not particularly religious, I would say I'm spiritual of anything else. Um, but I went to a, a, a Church of England school and you talked about relationships. Do you think that um, church or attending church was supposed to be where you got your education about 
building or working on relationships should have come from? As I don't know idea. if it should have come from there. I don't know. Rob, what do you think? I, I, I think that some of the preconceived notions that we have about relationships stem from our religious um, teachings, um, especially if your parents were, were religious. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but for me, certainly, yes, the Bible. And, you know, I remember once my mother said to me, remember the man is the head of the household um, and you must listen, you have to listen to him because he's the head of the home. And I was like, no, I mean, I was not having it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it is true to say, though, that, that in terms of that, I mean, it's not where, where, where it should have come from, maybe. It, theoretically, I suppose, it should come from your parents, although it's not a good thing to probably to discuss. It's probably the last thing you want to talk about with your parents. But I suppose you probably, you know, if you're lucky enough to have brothers and sisters, you might get it from them or your friends. Because you kind of learn that sort of as you're going along, don't you? And you make a bit of a hand fist in it and you've been age years and then you maybe even into your twenties and then you sort of get a bit better at it if you keep going. But I certainly think that religion religion does form that set of social rules. And I'm quite a believer. I mean, I, I was a Catholic, I was raised a Catholic, I mean I'm not anymore, but I can certainly see that it, that, that there's been a very large anti-religious movement in this country, and that's fine. But they, I don't think they've necessarily got anything to replace that social rule, the system that gives the social rules, basically. And, and you could, I mean, this is one of my pet subjects, funnily enough, but if you actually think, like, the power, I mean, we're getting a bit off, off them, yeah. but uh, obviously the power of, like, the police or the courts, that comes from the king or the queen, and that comes from God. So your actual legitimacy of power also flows all the way from religion. So, if, so, but what they've done here is they've completely said, right, religion's rubbish. Forget that. It's all I won't say the word, but it could be. But uh, you know, so don't forget that. But there's, and then and then they're trying to make people like Wayne Rooney, you know, like uh, some sort of someone that kids need to look up to. And you can't make Wayne Rooney someone that kids are going to look up to. So you know, they just didn't have anything to replace it with, really. And I think but, it's close But closer to home, though, is the if if you are fortunate enough to have two parents at home, the way they treated each other that was that was the lesson really to be in a home and see whether your parents had a respectful relationship, how they interacted. That you that you learned. It was there. It was you know it, it seeped into your subconscious, and that was a valuable lesson. And, um, and, 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 but if you were in a dysfunctional home, then you also learned those lessons. So. Yeah. I, I think the, the narrative is all important. That's, um, and I think we learn, I, th I, I think when you ask people, there's very few that have seen a relationship that they would really like to emulate. And I think when you look at statistics, you know, like this 55% divorce rate, um, people under 30 in a relationship, 99% of them so-called fail, as in don't last. I don't think culturally we know how to do relationships. And I think the reason for that is because society, and when we look at society, society has two main pillars. It's religion and um government 
and both like like you say pete the the, the basis particularly from our society comes the idea is given from god now god didn't say right and uh um i think that although like you like if, if you're religious then you, you're entitled to your views but i don't think i think there is also a way of shutting down debate um if you make something sacred you make it important you make it unquestioned um, and this is why we had like the royal family has these processions so that no one can really question it and in the same way religion has become you know you can't question religion because um that offends someone's beliefs but when we look religion christianity came from christ christ never set up a church buddhism came from buddha who never set up a church yeah, and if yeah. you read the sermon on uh, the sermon on the mount the church is actually based on the exact principles that jesus said don't do yeah. um and it was based on the society that was there it took paganism it took the same pagan dates and made them those dates with a christian um theology and christianity um the power from that and we know that the corruption in the middle ages where they were selling indulgences and and so the narrative of religion has become distorted um and to fit the social environment and so that you had the crusades and and all of these things that got their power from the papacy um and so they you know like missionaries and and going to other countries was like the americas was um uh at the root it was blessed by the pope so that it was legitimate um and so what what you're looking at is the church supports the government and the government supports the church and so their interests are intertwined and so you've got all of these ideas of um what is like what a relationship is basically the religion is is enmeshed with what's right for the society and so what's right for the society is the message that's come down that's what's been because the government and the church are in control of the books that are written they're in control of the messages that are sent they have the means of of communication so we've had and this is why i'm talking about it being a currency we've had millennia where mm. the focus has been on the good of the society and the individual happiness is down to you and so we don't have a body of knowledge you know psychology is 150 years old it's, i don't think it's even that i think it's more like 140 120 we don't have any body of knowledge um telling us what we should do and and when you you made a really good point there pete and it's the point that joseph campbell made for for decades that the mythology of a society should be based on the technology of the society and we and what you all said we have a mythology that is 2000 mm. based on technology that's 2000 yeah, years out of date yeah yeah and we need 
<laughs> can't catch to up. Make the I mean, they can't make laws. It takes Parliament so long to make laws. It takes them five years to bring in an internet bill. By the time it comes out, it's already right out of date. Yeah. So, yeah. And so we need a mythology, which means we need a narrative that yeah. fits with the science of our time. And, and you exactly. can't look to government to do this because government is, is political. And so the government doesn't work on what's best because mm. they don't, you've got an education minister who isn't qualified to teach a class. You've no, got exactly. a health minister who couldn't um, practice health. Mm. So um, it's political, it's ideology, it's about popularity, it's about, um, and it's the, the problem of democracy is that democracy is always going to go to the sun reader who can, you know, like Trump got in because he had the simplest campaign. Um, <laughs> Boris Johnson got in because nobody misunderstood him. Mm. Um, whereas if you have someone who is more nuanced and more complicated, people misunderstand him and they just get um, ridiculed. So Plus governments operate on cycles, short-term cycles, yeah. which do not allow anything at time to embed itself. No new concepts can be embedded in five-year cycles um, when you want to change people's behavior or mindset. I mean, although in this country we've had 10 years and then it was, what, 13 before that. And before that it was about 18, wasn't it? So Yeah, but generally, if you know what I mean, because election yeah, comes, yeah, yeah. whatever they're doing, is, is, it's a five-year or four-year thing. But um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the, 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 the way things are moving now and the way... Uh, the body of knowledge on most things it's mm. increasing daily it is very hard to keep up and we are mm. yes we are not evolving in, in tandem with the body of knowledge that is um, emerging but nonetheless we have structures that tend to want to keep us firmly in our places Yes. Yeah. No, I think it is true to say that religion, it's probably the fault of organized religion. Organized. That, that the patriarchy arose, I think, probably. Because yeah, the, like yeah. Rob says, even before the printing press, that was about the only time that people ever saw writing, basically, unless it was a proclamation from the king or something. So definitely there, because obviously there are various things about the Gnostic Gospels and, and Mary Magdalene and who she really is. And so I'm aware of these other opinions. And it's quite possible, having seen the way the church operates, you know, there was that, you know, the, you know, priests used to be able to get married in the Middle Ages and they yeah. got rid of that basically. So, I mean, you know, there's no reason. It's kind of unnatural. But, did, but it's funny because, I mean, I'm thinking this as I'm saying it and it's probably not a good thing to say for a, for a sort of relationship and dating seminar basically. But, um, but, but, you know, if you actually, back to what you were saying, Rob, about, you know, like we, we no one can see or, or not many people can see a relationship that they kind of, Want to approximate? I mean, biologically speaking, I'm not sure you could actually argue that humans actually mate for life. To be perfectly honest, we know that certain animals do, like seahorses and stuff, basically, and there are some birds that do, but human beings probably don't. And and the idea of actually talking about constructs, the idea of mating for life is kind of marriage, isn't it? Which actually arose from religion. Like biologically speaking, genetically, it doesn't actually make sense. So marriage is really that construct that produces that idea basically but, now we're obviously saying well religions are load of rubbish so i'm just saying that basically. Well, in the animal kingdom in the animal kingdom though 
the notion of mating for life, take swans, penguins, whatever. If you, if you look at their behavior, you'll see that there is a behavior of, of, of rituals that enhance yes, yes. and maintain that bond. Okay, it's just like when the apes, the grooming, those things. For us, what do we do to maintain our relationships? What's, what's the equivalent for us? We're so far off the scale intelligence-wise, aren't we? I mean, we're just the... You see, we're, we're, we're just a mutation, aren't we? I mean, I, this is good. That's what I'm saying. What is it, what is it that, that we do? It, it is the whole thing of that working. Work, keep on working at the yeah. relationship and trying to build... In the rituals. ...and it to evolve, because that's what it is. If you think that it's, mm. they just mate for life, yeah. come together and they just... Um, and they're together. They go through these rituals. You see them with their pattern dancing, their whatever, they're plucking their thing and preening and what have you and so forth. So obviously there are hormones yeah. that are probably being ex that do the bonding, that help with the yeah. bond. And it's the same for us. But, what, yeah. but I think we struggle to figure out what those rituals are that that will be the bond that will cement us together. We're apes, aren't we? So if we're apes, I mean, the, most apes, it, it's about the men fighting over the women, isn't it? Beating their chests and saying, I'm the biggest, strongest man. The chest beating routine. I mean, there's no women's lib in the... Uh, I mean, some of the women are quite tough, I suppose. They're like the gorillas and stuff. Well, okay. Vulnerable uh, monkeys. They are very sociable and for any, for any interaction so that the, the, the group is cohesive. They, they mate in a split second, that's, that's their mm. connection. And it's part and parcel of the society. So it keeps them from not fighting. It keeps them mm. as a cohesive group and they, they, they get along and that is their contact. And obviously the hormones that get, um, are those that keep them as a, as a as a as a group that's mm. not tearing each other apart. So I, I think we I think I don't think we're necessarily biologically um primed to to make I, I think the, the reality is we don't know. I Helen Helen Fisher talks about there being a romantic drive as well as a sex drive. But I think if you look at different cultures, um the relationship like patriarchy or matriarchy or, or, or whatever society that they have is based on the practicality of their society. So there are societies where um, it's free love and, and um, there's one where when a woman's pregnant, they believe that um, all like everyone that a woman has sex with during the time that she's pregnant, they'll integrate some of the characteristics. So they'll, when they know they're pregnant, they'll go and sleep with a man who's most intelligent, the man who's most charming, the man who's kindest, so that their children has all those qualities. So I think if you look at all the different societies, there is every type of relationship. There's where there's polygyny, where women have multiple husbands. There's um, where walking relationships up in where is it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's like Polyn Polynesia or, or somewhere mm. like that. Uh, um, but, so there, there is every type. I don't think it's necessarily um, that there is one type. And I think maybe it's, it's the fact that, that we have so much narrative 
um, that goes beyond our, our instincts. Um, but I think it's an interesting question and it's going to lead us to our next one of next week, which is, um, I can't remember what I titled it, but it's basically about what is the ideal relationship. And I think that's, that is something we need to establish for ourselves but before can I just interject you take that journey. Rob, um, before you go, um, again, the context, there is a cultural context within which this is happening, just like what you mentioned before, because all of those different relationships and what they do, they're all built in, um, into the culture. They, they're part and parcel of the culture, the, the cultural norms. So we're looking at this in this cultural context within which we find ourselves. Mm. But at the same time, many of us come from different cultures and we are all here. Mm. So I, I, I think that that in itself is interesting because people are coming together across cultures with different expectations and different understandings of what makes a good relationship. And that in itself is an interesting dynamic, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the most biggest drivers for <clears throat> like globalization. Um, one of the, the most positive things of that is that we are learning and assimilating. Now, I think we're having a lot of teething problems at the moment with, with overcoming the prejudices and the fears. Um, but yeah, um, as we break those barriers, I think we start to understand how limited we are from our own cultural blind spots um, so that we can transcend them. And when we can tra transcend them, we transcend our mistakes. Um, and we can, I don't think so many people realize how defined and how conditioned we've been that we feel that we need to do this and do this. Um, and as we become aware of, of that conditioning, we're able to be more conscious and we can override it and, and be more ourselves. Um, than we were, than we otherwise would have been. It it should be an interesting talk because, uh, as I said, I'm I'm um, amongst us Chinese. I'm called uh, well, I'm commonly known as you know a BBC. So I'm British-born Chinese. So I have um, an Eastern culture background, but a Western mindset. And I I believe I can I've integrated the both cultures quite well. Um, but I've never been attracted to Chinese guys. And because that's, a, that's a, perhaps a stereotypical thing, my parents, um, both Chinese, one from Hong Kong, one from Malaysia, came over in the early 60s. And I was told growing up that um, I have to marry Chinese until it was a point that um, as we got older, so I, you're talking about making your mistakes when you're a teenager. Well, I had very, very strict mother. I was told if we weren't allowed to have boyfriend, girlfriends until I went to university. And then that didn't happen. So anyway, um, I, um, as we got older, both my, I have two siblings. We were all told that, you know, we had to marry a Chinese. And as we got older, it probably into our early teen, our early twenties, it became okay. Um, they can be Oriental. And then as we got older, um, mid twenties, 
um, it was a case, well, you know, so long as they're good, they come from a good family, you know. And as we got older, we couldn't give them grandchildren. It became even, you know. And it was to a point where I had family friends. Um, our parents knew each other. And they had two daughters. And the younger daughter, um, who was probably a couple of years younger than me, she married an English guy. And I actually said to her, thank you so much because you've now set the precedent. My sister is actually married to an English guy as well. You know, she set the precedent. She's put that thought into our parents' minds that it was acceptable. But overcoming that culture barrier, even within your own family, was mm. a difficult thing. So it should be an interesting talk. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Yes, yes. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, Celia. Um, hopefully, we'll get to hear more about how you've like in in integrating those both cultures. You must see um, like different levels of pitfalls, I, and I see the good and bad in both. I think mm. it's it, I think it's um, it's it's easy to stereotype cultures but I think you have to look at individuals because individuals have different experiences from whatever culture they're from and that could be somebody who's British who was born and grew up in Southeast Asia or the other way around or you know it could be they were born here and moved out there different cultures different backgrounds produce different people we're a product of our environments and experiences yeah. Well said. I was, yeah, I was just going to say that. That's a perfect note to leave it on. We, we, we're going to need to know, have a name for you as well, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> Probably talk too much. <laughs> no, no the, you, you've added, you've added um, some great insights. Um, so, yes, thank you, everyone, for, for sharing and um, for making um, the call that we, that we had. I uh, hope to see you all next week. Thank you. Have a good Thank week. You. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.